Warning, if you're faint of heart or easily offended, this show is not for you. All right, welcome to the Nick Vertucci Show. I am Nick Vertucci. I am here with a poker OG, Mike Matisau, the biggest mouth in poker. Mike, what's up? What's up, motherfucker? (laughs) Hey, I can't believe I got you out of bed at 11 a.m. to do this. Oh, that makes two. That makes two of us, man. (laughs) All right. So for those of you, if you're in poker, you know this name. It's Mike Matisau. Mike, uh, Mike Matisau. Mike Matisau, Sal, whatever. Matisau, Matisau, M-A-T-U-S-O-W, Matisau. But you know everyone calls you Matisau, right? Fuck them. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, Mike, listen, this is what I know. First, you need to understand what's going on here, okay? (laughs) Fucking, I was supposed to be at 9 a.m., at the Republican Jewish Coalition this morning. Yeah. It was the big event in Las Vegas. My guy who told me, you can't miss this. You have to come every year. Get your ass up. You know what I had to tell him? What? I had to be on the Nick Fertucci show at 11 o'clock, and if I didn't, Nick was going to kick my fucking ass. Well, you know, is you're in a wheelchair and shit, so I probably it would take a lot of heat for kicking your ass, so it probably wouldn't be good. Yeah. You know... The truth of the matter is, is, you know, when he called me, it's like, you got to come. Like, Pence is going to be there. And DeSantis is going to be there. And all the big hitters are going to be there, right? Yeah. And you know what I told them? Not bigger I'm so than me. fucking over politics, man. I'm Dude. fucking, I, got, well, I made other arrangements. Let's be so over it that we don't even talk about it. How about I that? Know, it okay. So, it was so good to be over yeah, it. Yeah. So I, that's I, what. That is so I skipped that for you. I skipped seeing all the well, you're welcome. big time. And I had front row seats, too. I could have met everybody. Well, all for you. You're welcome. I saved you your three or four hours of nothing burger over there. Misery. So, listen, Mike, this is what I know about you, and I could be wrong. I, I could be missing something. You, you have four WSOP bracelets. Mike Matisau has won event 13 at the 2013 World Series of Poker the $5,000 buy-in seven-card stud eight-or-better championship event. For the win, Mattisau earned $266,000 in his fourth WSOP gold bracelet. Card Player TV caught up with him at his bracelet ceremony to learn how it felt. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, I you know, I tell people, you know, quality, not quantity. And, uh, you know, this, this is my second event. First event, I finished 13th at the Omaha 8 Stud 8 and then took two days off because I was so exhausted. And uh, then came right back and uh, won this. You know, it's, uh, I really believe, you know, to win these things, you, you got to be rested and, and well prepared. Uh, the, the people that run around and playing all, with all these bracelet bets were running around from tournament to tournament. I mean, that I, maybe somebody can do it, but I think it's so much you have to mentally prepare yourself to, to win these things. And you know, I, I was very mentally prepared for this tournament before it started. I felt it. It's kind of crazy. Like in the Omaha 8 Stud 8, uh, I finished 13th. I, I left the house and I tell my friends and, and everybody, I'm like, I, I just don't feel it. And they go, what do you mean you don't feel it? I go, when I know I'm going to win, I, I know I'm going to win. And I, I just don't feel I'm going to win this. 
But then when I, this tournament came, I was so sure I was going to win it for two days. I just felt it. Natasau now has bracelets in four different games, including No Limit Hold'em, Omaha 8 or Better, No Limit Deuce to 7 Lowball, and now Stud 8 or Better. Matasau is particularly proud of his two wins in the split pot games. And you've made 14 final tables, and you have a, a title? What title is that in 2002 over D-Negs? If you have more than that, let me know. That's about what I know. That's all. I got more than 14 final tables. Should I had nine just the last three years? You, Maybe. Well, so I don't know. Is, is, do you have more? Fuck. <laughs> Seems like I do. But but how many but bracelets? Four. Yeah, that's good. It's not... I usually make a final table every year. I gotta have fourteen final tables. There's yeah. Like well, listen. Let me ask you a couple questions. People uh, want to know about it. Tell us about the 2002 title. You mentioned this to me over Dnegs. You said it was one of your proudest moments. Well, 2002 was that 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 tournament was really one of my proudest moments because uh, I had. Uh, I was kind of hooked on crystal meth, and uh, so I decided that I was going to quit cold turkey. So I kind of detox was detoxing and was suicidal the whole tournament. So <laughs> being able to, yeah. um, I mean, I, I being able to, to to wean off of that and and uh, win that tournament. I'll never forget the uh, with two hours ago on day one, we're playing down on the final table and and. And I was like so suicidal. I was in the bathroom. I was screaming at my friends, like, like I'm not going to make it. And they kind of got me through. And then the next day, it really wasn't as bad. And I kind of made it through. But no, I, back to, you know, I was always considered, probably still I am considered best Omaha eight or better player in the world or, or one of them. And um, so winning that title over Dinez was pretty sexy. I mean, he had a five to one chip lead. And um, so we were really good friends, and uh, we went across the street to the uh, to the uh, Four Queens, the Four Queens Hotel. Uh, we ate in the I forgot what the name of the restaurant was in the basement there, but it was like me, him, his mom, my mom, uh, a couple of my friends. And, Is that your mom behind you on the poster? Uh, ye, which one? The one uh, over there, Bill? the WPT poster. That's Phil. Oh, okay, got it. I wasn't that sure. That looks like my mom. <laughs> you He's dressed like your mom. I don't know what's going on there. Anyways, go on. That please. was it. Well, we had that. We stole that poster from Phil's roast, the WPT <laughs> roast. Okay. And so it's him. It's basically him dressed up as a as a baby for the, for the, for the baby fucking bottle and shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, I get Phil it. He's a, I get it. You know, so we we did that for our for our uh, you know our. Yeah. Uh, all right, so go on. You were with your moms. You just beat yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, so, so it was good. And um, Squirrel Rebecca actually filmed the whole final table. I actually t uh, talked to her the other day. I said, you, I said, why don't you, would you still have that film? I go, that, that film's probably worth a lot of money, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, let's see, that was 20 years ago. What did that make me? 34 years old? I was you're, a fucking... You're 54, huh? Yeah. God, how good do babe. how good do I look at fifty six? I should call you every day. I look just as good as you do, motherfucker. I but should I call didn't... you every single day on Zoom, just in the morning. Let me to ask get... you something. Is that fucking beard not gray? Do you color it? Fuck yeah. Yeah, you color it too. Of yeah, I put do. a little in there. A little in there. Yeah, me too. Well, I didn't color mine today. So yeah. Now well, I look, well whose problem is that? 
Hey, listen, young. you said recently to me that you have a tough time now uh, with tournaments because you got injured. When did you get injured and what was it? Well, I, had a, I mean, I had a really bad injury in 2014. Uh, what is it? Where uh, I was almost paralyzed. And so um, I had to learn how to walk again and everything. How'd you do that? And it was just a freak accident. And we didn't really know what caused it. And it took six months after the surgery to really understand what caused it and where it came from. And once we figured that out, I was able to put all the pieces together. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it, it'll all be out on my documentary that'll be coming out here on Hulu in a couple of months. How, so you you, um, you mentioned that like when you get in like to day three or four of a tournament you start to sputter out because of physical uh, like your physical well situation. okay so like this year at the world series right so day three late at night i drew a really good table and was able to dominate the table and get a whole lot of chips going into day four but dinner break the pain was so bad i was literally on the floor screaming and trying to get stretched out and and so then I, I called Jack and asked him if I could use a dealer's chair or one of the chairs from the 10K. See, like, like the series this year, like the 10K chairs were really comfortable. So whenever I late reds, right, I would always make sure to, to tell the people pulling the, you know, the, the tickets to give me one of the chairs in the 10K area because the regular chairs were just so yeah. hard on me. And it put me in a lot of pain. Is it a hip so, injury, Mike? No, it's a spinal cord injury. So, like, when I – here's the situation. So I had a spinal cord injury. From the surgery, I developed something called intercostal neuralgia. And it's like a – it's a nerve disorder. And where they did the surgery right here behind my back, it's like the nerve is like – like, a, what's the best way? A damage. It's a damaged nerve. Yeah. So – when the nerve goes out of place, it causes like nerve pain all throughout my body here. And then it shoots down my leg into my foot. It's kind of debilitating. Um, so I, what, and so what I do is like when I play in these tournaments, it's, it's I get, I get myself a, a scooter and I have them as soon as I pull up to like the ballet, I give them like, I give the, Bellman and the Valley guys like a thousand bucks and um, and they know who I am. So then as soon as I pull up, guy weighs at the, the bring my scooter. So I don't really have to walk. So you, what nice. you do is you get me, you, you get me driving in and, and I do all my, my logs and stuff. And then I just basically take the scooter basically almost to the table. So I'm not really going moving very much, which allows me that to helps. play. Yeah, so you do and, better. You do better if you're at like a WSOP because you're not pounding the walking and and you can scoot around. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, like the like the World Poker Tour event championship coming up. They want me to play, and I want to play it because it is only. I, I don't play these re reentry events. I think that they've destroyed poker. I think they're an embarrassment to poker, and so that's my. Well, I don't my play problem. tournaments, but I'll tell you, if I ever play one, I you're talking about rebuys. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not a tournament player, so who cares what I think? But I do not like tournaments with there's a ton of rebuys. I, I like buy in once and let's go. It, it, listen, it's it freeze outs. Here's what tournament poker does, did. Freeze outs are the great equalizer to the person who has all the money. Yeah. So 
when the amateur sits and I, and I sit down, they have the same chance as I do, right? When you start giving people unlimited re-entry and max late reg, they can buy in with 20 big blinds with 70% of the field out. I mean, tournament poker, stay alive long enough to give yourself a chance to get lucky. Yeah. And when they're letting the top players buy in with 15, 20 big blinds, and they can just buy in and then shove it, go broke, shove it again. I mean, they only have to double up twice. All of a sudden, boom, boom, and now they've got the same amount of chips as the guy that played for 10 hours. Yeah, I don't like so, it. I agree. So I'm really, I'm really against it, but I've noticed that the, the, the people that are winning and are doing well are people that are max late regging. So um, I'm yeah. going to, you know, I started to late reg a lot. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm against it. I'm really against it. I, I mean, back in the, uh, up until about 2010, I'd say, maybe in 2011. I mean, if you didn't show up on time, you didn't, you didn't get to play. You know? Yeah. No, I like, I, I, I think that's way better. I, I don't, like I said, I don't play tournaments, but I played a handful and I just, there's just something about the rebuy stuff. It just doesn't feel right. I, I won't do it. You know, I mean, back in the day, you everybody had to show up at noon, right? Yeah. And uh, you'd be in your seat by like 12, 15. And like the first three levels, there wasn't even an ante in there. Mm. So the people who like to play a lot of hands would get bored and just punt off their chips. Right. Because they didn't have to pay. See, people don't understand that there's a lot of different skill factors to poker, you know? That, you know, you, you just come in there and attack blinds and annies, or, or can you sit there and, 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 and change years and fold and fold for the first two hours and, and, and uh, kind of trap a little bit and, and when it's costing you nothing around, but now that they've done away with all that, they, they, they've catered to the, to the, to the, to the, to the, to the good players. And now you sit down, they start with an ante. You could show up late, you show up eight, nine hours late. I mean, yeah, what kind a, of a precedent? Yeah, what what kind of precedent does it, does it yeah, set? Yeah, it's ridiculous. You know? Now you said uh, that just a second ago, you said like back in the day, tell me this in your opinion, I guess it's a twofold question. Um, was poker easier back in the day when you were in your prime? Uh... Phil, you looked at me. You looked like you might have like a big hand or something. Oh, he's not done yet, Mike. He might raise here. Race. I, I love you. Don't know if they have do seven or aces. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so good for the game. That's weird. They're talking about box. it, and he's got the seven deuce. And he raised the seven thousand into kings. Dun dun dun. Two of the greatest poker minds. You can talk. It's not. Oh yeah, we can. Yeah. Okay, give your give your line of BS. Two of the greatest poker minds going at it. And what's what's BS Mike about just that? calls. <laughs> Mike did not yeah, raise with his king. Yeah, get the five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> One of these guys has to do something. For Queen sure. Jack six on the flop. I love poker. We got a roof for the guy that doesn't have it. <laughs> right. I like check, helmless check. check. I don't know why Mike check. They both have do seven. Helmless check because he's representing a big hand now. Has no idea Mike has kings. 17,000. 17,000. I always bring socks. I don't know. I don't Mike has got a raise here. Let me see what They both have But he's not going to. He just calls. All right, boys. Mike's afraid of three jacks, three queens, or a pair of aces. 
Thanks to wow. clubs on the river. Those are good too. That's yeah. a great card for Mike. If Phil did have queens and jacks, Mike now has the Make best sure hand. The so those three hands I mentioned, they're the only hands that yes. Mike can't beat. I love it. I don't know, maybe we're not. I'm a little nervous. Things are happening. Will Phil fire another bullet? Make that $500 from everybody at the table. It's a matter of pride also. Yeah. Being the first one to win the hand with do seven. No problem. It's amazing. Wow, what a difference that makes. What do you got there, Mikey? But I'm afraid whatever he bets, Mike's going to call him. About uh, 65000 40000 Wow. Oh. Mike's got a call. Just call. I know Phil never makes a big bet on the river unless he has it. That's the thing. This sucks. No, he hit a two outer on me. There you go, Phil. Oh, turns the king's oh, over, throws him away, <laughs> and here it comes. Oh my! That was the only thing I thought. That was the only thing I thought. That was the only thing I thought. He either had deuce seven. How can he fold kings that is so It's a new game today, boys. It's a new game. Well, that was the only thing I was thinking is either he had to do seven. You finally have respect right there, right there. That gave you a lot of respect. I finally have respect. I crushed everybody in the world at no limit for 20 years for side games and cash games. I finally have respect. All right, well, you lost it, okay? You had it there for a second, now you lost it. I think he still owes you 500. I knew he had it back on high stakes poker and when uh, you were building your brand and um, and yeah, how how is it different? Is it easier and how is it different? Would you explain that? That's a good, you know, that's a really good question. I've been asked that question a lot. And I didn't play No Limit Hold'em from like 2006 to 2017. So it's 11 years I didn't play. And Phil kept telling me, oh, play, play, you're still the best, you're still one of the best. And I was like, ah, everybody plays good, everybody plays good now. Uh, wow, what a mistake I made. I wasted all those years because yeah. I don't think anybody plays better. Um, I think, uh, I mean, when I play these tournaments, uh, especially with no limits, I, I still believe I'm one of the best. I, I, I think I ran into three people I think who plays play better than me, you know, and I'm sure there's there's more, but but the the difference is this much and they, they couldn't it would take years to show the difference so you know um the only difference you know is in the old days just pick up the dead money and now you have to fight for it you have to fight the players for the dead money and that's basically it but when it all comes down to it you know they you can you, you, people can late reg with 20 big blinds or 15 big blinds and then double double and now they got 45 50 big blinds and and you go to a day two, definitely a day three, and nobody has over 50 big blinds. That's a chip leader. So, you know, the whole key is to maneuver, stay alive with around 50 big blinds, and uh, give yourself a chance to get lucky. You know? How is How are the players different now in cash? Are they Why are they so much better? Or do you even think they are? Uh, I mean, to me, they're not because I read really good. So now that I've been playing no limit cash for since COVID started since well since November of 2019, so we're talking uh, exactly three years I've been playing just no limit hold'em. 
And um, I was playing, you know, four, 800 mixed games for, I don't even know my whole life. Like from, I never played one hand and no limit hold of cash. I don't think except for when I was on high stakes poker from 2006, to like 2019. But once, once you start playing no limit cash, you get a really good feel. Mm-hmm. Um, God, my feel is so good. And you just see things. And uh, I look back now and I, I just say, I wish I would have stayed and played no limit cash all these years. Cause when you're good at no limit hold and you just print, you just yeah. print money. You, you just win. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's just, I used to think, Oh no, mixed games are where it's at. They're all so bad at mixed games. And I disagree now. I, I think if you're just good at no limit, you print. Yeah. Now, if you're good at PLO, you also print, but you're going to swing a lot. Yeah, the very because because you're only in PLO. You know, you're you're a rock star if you're getting it in sixty percent every time. You yeah. know, yeah, that's a crazy. What's that's a crazy percent. living? Yeah, I mean, I play no limit hold'em. I'm getting it in seventy five, eighty percent. You know, sometimes I get it in sixty five percent. You know, but I mean, I, I like getting it in two to one favor. You know, I don't like. Uh, but PLO, PLO, PLO is probably you make the most money, but you're also going to swing the most. And no limit hold them to make the most money without swinging. I mean, that's my opinion. I mean, I, I maybe I ran really good. I don't know. You know, I I just don't take the I don't take the small edges. You know what I'm saying? Like if I see a spot where I'm pretty sure I'm ahead, but it's like a 60, I just don't take the small edges and no limit hold them. I pick up lots of small pots. Uh, with my image, and then I, I just, I try and get it in two to one favor. And so, it's, it's so fun. speaking, <clears throat> speaking of that style, what you just explained, which is picking up small pots. Uh, mm-hmm. So, tell me what you think of this. Back in the day when when high stakes poker was going, and it was you know you were in your prime then, and Phil was playing, and all the all the OGs like Dneggs and Antonio, and we can go on with all the rest, Sammy. The game seemed different. Like here, here's what I mean by that. Like it, you, you know, you were watching poker and people appreciated it and really liked it. And then, you know, of course, you know, Tom Dwan stepped in and 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 brought that new style of play to poker. And you could correct me if you think that's wrong, but a new style of play. And he became very popular because because of his aggressiveness and uh, yeah. his he was so wide open in in uh, pre flop. And so, so I guess my question to you is now. And again, this is not a dig. This is just, and again, if you don't feel this, tell me, tell me differently. But it seems like now, like even his game is maybe because he's, you know, I don't know, not taking it as serious. But the players, Tom Dwan plays as fucking tight as I do now. No, that's what I'm saying. Just he, put it that way. He plays, he plays like you now, right? Or, yeah. or, or I don't want to say me, but someone that doesn't play like that. So I guess what my question is. Is it just become a thing to where, like, if you're a player like Eric Persons or you're a player like, uh, um, how can I be thinking of, uh, uh, Keating, like, these are the players that that people want to watch because it's it's the crazy poker, right? They're putting on a show. But someone like yourself and, and your mom behind you there, Phil, like, you guys take a lot of shit for being antiquated or... Uh, or poker has run you over, or you're you're no longer relevant, or you can't compete. Uh, Nick, so Nick. so so I so take that from there because you know that that's Nick. out there. Nick, I'll say it once. I'll say it twice. Right. Tight is right. Got it. Uh, well, yeah, Tight I, questions. Is right. The the answers are yours. You tell me. You know, when Tom Dwan came in and was playing 
and he'll tell you this. At, you know, if you interview Tom, he'll tell you this. Like when he, the way he used to play before, he'll tell you I ran like God. Like he would just like three bet the deuce five offsuit, get four bet by aces and flop deuce five. Yeah, I mean, people he did, love I mean, that he shit. So good, you know. And so it looked, it looked like oh he was doing things other people weren't doing, right? But when it all comes down to it, yeah, you've got to mix it up a little bit. But here's the thing. Up until 2011, okay, so when uh, let's just say 2010 or whatever, when, the, when they closed down all the internet places, except for playing on high stakes poker, which we would buy in sometimes, we would buy in sometimes 250 big blinds deep. Like nobody bought it more than like 200,000. And I was playing 400, 800. No, there was really no deep stack poker. Nobody was, and here, and again, this this is, I'm not trying to knock anybody for it, but as long as Garrett can buy in for a thousand big lines and have the table covered at all times, he could lose four fucking pots in a row and get stacked, put a thought, cover everybody again, win one and be even. Right. You see what I'm trying to say? Of course. Money is power. And so there was, oh, again, and, and I'm not trying to knock him in any way or anybody, but if you play in a high stakes game where one person can always cover the table, that one person is always going to get the money. There's a reason why the, the online games, whether it was, okay, if you're playing 10, 20, you can buy in 2,000, 100 big blinds, quarter 55,000, 50, 100, 10,000. Those are the most you could buy in for. Online, uh, yeah, it was a hundred big blinds. It was an even playing so when field, you're playing bankroll wise. Bl- <clears throat> when you're playing a hundred big blinds deep, it's a whole different game. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? Like, like I'll play anybody a hundred big blinds deep, and so will Phil Hummy. You see what I'm saying? So the only difference is I've learned how to play deep. Okay, where Phil struggles to play deep. Okay, yeah. that's right. why you always see Phil not wanting to play deep because he, he he he's a he doesn't want to lose big money. You know what I'm saying? Because you yeah. can get, and even back in the day, right? When during the highest stakes poker, right? I'd buy in for a hundred k, I'd double and I'd double, and then I'd say, "Okay, guys, see you guys later. I'll have a nice day." I go, "I'm not going to play five hundred big blinds deep with you guys, because I, I, I it just, it, I'm people don't understand. But poker's about making money. It ain't about seeing who the who who's got the bigger dick and who's fucking." Who cares? Yeah. I don't give a fuck who's better than me. I don't care. I want to get the fucking money. Right. I want to win. I want to win. I want to put myself in position to win. I'm just going to win and win and win and win. Right? When you play, people are sitting there. What do people do? They attack you. Oh, look at this win percentage. Nick fucking, look at Nick. Nick Fertucci's got this great win percentage. He must be cheating. No. He plays in games where he's the fucking best player or one of the top two best players, and he fucking wins. That's what fucking poker's about. Poker ain't about seeing who. That's why. I mean, I give. You know, I don't want to say this, but like, uh, they wanted me to play a no gamble, no future yesterday, right? And I looked at the lineup, and I had committed to it. And then I, I talked to Ryan, and Ryan's like, "Well, that lineup sucks." And those two people they said that are, are fish cakes are really good players. Now it's hard for me to get up, get dressed, go down there. So I'm, I'm like. I ain't going to go down there and play this fucking lineup. I go, if I'm going to play in a, go down and play live in a lineup, I'm going to come to LA and 
play on the, uh, <laughs> the Hustler Casino Live Hustler. show uh, with with Nick with Nick Ryan or Nick and Ryan. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and again, that's not trying to say that I'm scared to play against good players. It's poker's not about playing against good players. It's about winning money. It's about being the best player or one of the top three. But somebody like they told me this couple, about four years ago, and I took it to heart. If you're always the top three best player in the game, you're always going to win the money, which is it. Yeah. So, you know, my whole life, I was very, I thought I was better, best in the world. Nobody could beat me in any game, right? So I just, if it was three-handed, I sat down with anybody. Four-handed, two-handed, head up, you name it. Somebody challenged me to play, I sat, right? And I did good. I mean, I, was, I, was, I held my, you know, I made money. I mean, I've only had two, three losing months playing uh, live poker my whole life. And one was because I went broke and didn't have money to get get it back. And I tell people that story and they laugh at me and think I'm lying or whatever, but it's just fact, okay? And um, but one of the things I learned about five years ago is stop thinking, worried about being, being better than everybody. Stop thinking you're the best and just always just start sitting in games where you're always the best. Yeah. So I quit playing the 24-hour sessions, the 36-hour sessions. Right. And I just started playing where whatever the lot the 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 whatever the the stakes were, I was one of the top 3 players. If I sat in a game, I got invited to a private game and the private game wasn't good, I'd play an hour and go home. Right? If I played in the game the lineup was what I was promised, I'll put in my hours. And it's allowed me to it's allowed me to have five losing weeks in the last year and a half. Yeah. And well, you know, Mike, you know, the thing is, is this, I, that's maturity. Yeah. 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 Well, and that leads me to some questions down the line, not right now, but I reluctantly take the bait on this because no matter you, let me finish this too. No matter what I say these days, if I say nothing, I get hammered. If I say anything in regards to a comment you made earlier about me winning, I get hammered. They'll probably take snippets out of this and bury me in, you know, whatever. So I have to be very careful to not look defensive at the same time, be able to engage a person in a conversation. And it's like, I know you and you play fucking good. Okay. I'm not saying you're a great player. Okay. Yeah. But you fucking, you put yourself in lineups where you're always the top three player in the game. I mean, I mean, if you fucking sat there and you played the Garrett Andy yeah. fucking with the three great players every well, fucking... Well, let me, let me spit this out. 200 game, you're, you're probably going to break even or yeah, lose a little. Yeah, I'll probably break even at best. And, and let me spit yeah. this out. So it's like this. This is what everyone's having a tough time uh, figure, or, or putting their heads around because there's just, you know, no one digs as deep into it. But, you know, when I started playing at the bike in 2017, 18, 19... I was the mark, okay? They Ryan built that game around me. I was a business. I, I was I was a businessman making a lot of money, and I would come one day a week. I eventually played two days a week, but I would come one day a week, and I didn't even know I was competing with the best in the like in fucking L.A. Right? right? Like Art Garrett, Andy. Right. Uh, uh, you know, I could keep naming Brian Kim. Well, like, I remember. I mean, you just didn't get away from hands. I mean, you and now you just do. Well, just the, well. So let me. So let me. Let me finish this. Learn. So it, it's like 
I realized about three months into it that I didn't know shit about poker, but it didn't really matter. I was a businessman. I had a lot of money and I wanted to bang it up playing 200, 400 or 248 or 124, whatever it was. So mm -hmm. I want to make this point because I know you got a big mouth and you're gonna cut me off. So let me, let me say this. So it's, it's crazy because when, when Ryan and I decided to get this show, you know, during COVID, there was a lot of poker played. And, and again, I just hate saying this because, you know, people are like, oh, you know, is it just because really? You went into the lab. No, listen, I literally studied poker for over a year and a half, almost every day with one of the best poker pros in the world. I pay him 12% of my winnings, everybody. I didn't know that. 12 fucking percent of everything I win. And I'm getting that out there now so people understand. And, and like, I don't want to say this because... Everyone I play with, these guys are my friends. I fucking right. love these guys, and I play with them. But you're, but you know, it is a game that's beatable, and and I'm putting in the work. But here's the other thing that well, I want. It's not only this that. Well, hold on uh, one I'm, second, I'm, one I'm, second, I'm, one second. But here's the other thing, and people say, why are you not playing on Fridays when everyone is three, four, five, six hundred k deep? Do you just not have? I just answered that question. Hold on, I know, but I wanna, I wanna, I wanna yeah. compound on that. Here's what I tell them. Yeah, of course, Fridays are for my family, but that's that's that could be an excuse if I really want to, that that could just be an excuse if yeah. I really want to play those games. I play two to four times a week. I'm retired, semi-retired. I run a poker show. Yes, I have a lot of money. I'm set, but I am not generating millions of income, right? So I don't want to go on a Friday and donk off five hundred thousand because uh -huh. I'm going to come back. And, and if I don't get a seat in the next Friday games because they're coveted, I'm going to come back, play a 5-5 Tuesday game. And where am I going to grind that back? So for me, I've, I've like you just said, I've set into a comfortable pattern. I play two or three times a week. I'll play the 25-51 or 1-2 sometimes. I'll play the 5-5 anti game, which plays like a 100-200, which people yeah. don't understand because they're looking at the blinds. And so for me, that's just the groove I'm in. And, uh, you know, I've done well. So go on. Yeah, and you know what? It's like it was. Listen, and, and there's. I'm not going to name names, but people in other podcasts, and people are talking a lot of shit. They want to yap about what. Yeah, you because want I don't want to. I, I don't, don't want names this because about you, but I fucking stick up for you because I said, listen, motherfuckers. This is what I said. I said when you put up five hundred fucking grand or whatever to fucking start a fuck your own motherfucking business. You could fucking do whatever the fuck you want. If you don't like Nick playing on the show every day, go start your own motherfucking stream yeah. and you could play on well, the Well, you know what's show the what's the crazy thing, Mike, is that somebody put up that that money tracker thing and that's why everyone's focused on it. But guess what? Doug Polk plays on his show. Andrew Nimi, Brad Owen, they play on their show. JJ and uh, uh, what's his nuts? Wayne play on their show. It's not an issue. The only reason it's an issue it's an is issue be with you because they because you sit there and you get. Here's what the issue it is. It's because they're fucking all jealous motherfuckers. This is what poker players are. They're jealous hearted motherfuckers. Yeah. You know. You, yeah. you hear fucking again? I don't want to name names, but you yeah, know I don't want. I'm about. I'm trying to bury my beefs. I made yeah. I made a lot of but, mistakes, but, but they're jealous because they're not they they're top pros and they can't get on a fucking hustler casino live show and play every week. Well, they okay? could have though. They could well, they could if they were nicer. But but I'm glad you're not naming names because. Because I, you know, during this whole Jack Four scandal thing, I, I have made a ton of mistakes, cost me a ton of relationships. I came out fighting and kicking and, you know, defending my... Well, I, I understand. You know, but I, but, I, but, I fucked, but I fucked up. But the thing is, Mike, is if I would have stayed quiet, then I would have been hiding. So it's like a no-win situation, but I'm glad. Yeah. I don't want to name names because I'm literally trying to 
to yeah. resurrect the beefs. I've 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 apologized uh, to people like Matt Berkey for doing what I did because I, I still don't yeah, agree with I still you, don't you agree with a ton of shit on, on social media. Yeah, I still don't agree with I a ton of things. But I understand. But I yeah. own my aggressiveness and my mistakes. I I've recently called Joey uh, Ingram. That's good. See, I've that's recently called Joey too. Ingram, and not that we had a beef, but we had a little bit of like you know disorderly conduct back and forth, and and yeah. I you know and I made it good with him because. Nobody understands what a tough time it is to be defending something you love, not 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 defending it like blindly, because if there's something going on, like I Brian did what he did, I outed him. But I'm saying even defending your own integrity, like it's like a no win situation. If you're quiet, it's because you're guilty and you're hiding. If you're well, uh, if you never did that, they would have fucking not known shit and wouldn't have been even a, a crazier. But you were just trying to be uh, yeah. open about it. And 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 Listen, there's people who call me, okay, people that don't know that much about poker, but they they watch the show. Yeah. And then they started bringing up, well, maybe this person's cheating and this person's cheating and this. Oh, I've seen these charts and I just go crazy. I'm like, listen, no Nick and Ryan forever. I play in a fucking private game with Ryan every fucking day. We're very good friends. I know this kid more than anybody in the world, okay? I mean, besides you, bro. I said, and I will defend them to the death. Yeah. And and I've got a very good reputation in poker. I mean, people know that that yeah, I've had, I went through some problems where I owed people a lot of money, and yeah, I I got in a really tough spot after my injury. But everybody knows I pay everybody back, and yeah, there's still a couple more people I owe, and that'll be it. But but like I, I've got a very a very well liked in poker. I don't, you know, people on the rail and Twitterverse, whatever. They'll talk shit about me, but in the poker world, there won't be one person to say bad things about me. Yeah. And that's because they know that I've got a good heart. I care about people. I care about the world. I care about. I, I can confirm everything. that. You're one of the nicest guys I know. That's the truth. Yeah. Yep. And, and hey, going back to that, you knew me for what? One hour and you gave loan me 20000 one day. Yeah. Right? yeah. You didn't even know me. Because yeah. you knew right away what kind yeah. of person. Yeah, well, that was back. That was back at the bike, and and seventeen or something. Yeah, it's two thousand seventeen, and I did that. And do you remember, uh, like a couple days later, I came to the bike to collect, and you sat down, and you just got felted. I sat down like waiting because you were in the game and you got felted and you're like, okay, I'm going to buy in for like this much. And I'm like, uh, no, this much. You go, oh shit. That's right. And you, and you just, yeah, I totally you, forgot. You snap paid me. So yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing is, 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 and a lot of people don't understand is because of my injury and the medications that I'm on is my memory is so bad. Now I quit smoking pot August 26th of, uh, this year. So it's been over three months, August, That's good. Over three months, almost four months. And uh, it's really helped a lot my memory. And um, people don't understand oh. how it does affect you if you smoke too. Like they think it's because it's organic, all that. But there's really an effect on it if you do it a lot. Yeah, and, and I started smoking pot. I never smoked pot in my life, and I'd done a lot of drugs in the early 2000s. But pot always made me paranoid. But then when the the pain was so bad, and I was struggling so bad, and I'll never forget 2017 World Series of Poker. Uh, this girl I knew hands me a joint, says, why don't you try and take in this? Uh, and and cause I was struggling to sleep and she gave me that. And I made six final tables, uh, <laughs> uh, five final, ta five 10 K final tables right. in 2017 got robbed in two of them. That's why I know I made more than 14. I made five that year. I made, I made three like two years ago. So, but, um, okay. uh, so I'm like, Oh wow, this is 
So I would always have problems sleeping because, you know, I, from the the drug use I did in the early 2000s, I, I, my memory was to be sharp was really hard. So I had to take Adderall to focus. Yeah. Well, when you take Adderall and, and you struggle to sleep for Adderall to work at a high level, you must sleep. And I wasn't sleeping. And once she gave me the pot and I started sleeping, I made five final tables and played at this really high level. So then I smoked pot every day from the world series of 2017 to August of this year. But I was always trying to get off of it. And yeah. I had gotten off for a month twice and the pain was so bad. So yeah. you gotta understand the C B D in the in the in the in the pot really helps with the pain. Yeah, I believe that. And so but I kept thinking to myself, well, maybe it's just a coincidence. But how does it coincidence that your pain levels just go through the roof every time as soon as the cannabinoids are out of, off of your brain? Right. But this time I told myself, I don't care how much pain I'm in, I'm going at least sixty days. And I did it. And and my intuition, see, what people don't get about poker, like so many people, they're so about solvers and they're so about, um, you know, running simulations and stuff, is the best poker players in the world have like like uh, Sean D. Okay, people might not like Sean D. He's an asshole to most people, but he'll admit he's an asshole. He don't care. Yeah. He's a once in a lifetime generation. He's a once in a generation talent. Why? Because he has great intuition. Right. Okay. And when I quit smoking pot, my intuition, which was always good, became the intuition that I had my whole mm -hmm. life. And now all of a sudden, I'm playing at this really high level the last three months. I see things. I'm seeing things outside the box. And it's allowed me to, to really do great things. And yeah. again, I'll, I'll say it. People can say whatever they want. When Phil Hellmuth folds ace, jack of spades for one bet and five bets to three eight of clubs and then check calls the three eight of clubs on a fucking jack 10 blank board and then rips a fucking turn, this isn't luck, okay? He sees things. He has intuition. Yeah. He sees weakness on Daniel, okay? He sees the strength on Daniel. Again, I'm not, I'm not here to build up Phil. Phil's got a lot of his own weaknesses we're gonna that, talk we're gonna talk about that in a minute but go on but but like you'll hear the the, the gto fucking players like you can't pull ace jack space for one bet yeah why not okay yeah and 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 i asked phil afterwards you know because uh, me and phil talk a lot of poker we don't he don't talk poker with anybody we me and him talk for the only he, me, he's the only one he talks poker with me and him talk a lot and i asked him how, why did you fold the ace jack of spades? And his answer was so fucking amazing is Daniel had three bet him the exact same quickness about 20 minutes earlier and showed him dog shit. Okay. So now he knows Daniel. He's never going to three bet him with the exact same quickness, the exact same amount with a shit hand the second time back. He said, I knew when he showed me the King 10 offsuit or whatever, or King 9 offsuit, I think it was, that the next time that he raised me that amount, it was going to be nutted. Yeah. And sure enough, he had ace queen. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, so it's like, 
this generation, see, this the the current poker players, again, they're very very versed with the mathematics and the solvers and the everything else, and it's a big part of poker for sure. But there is but the, there are some it, players it, oh, that are missing. Take the human element. Yeah, the they're human missing. Element. So important. They're missing the human element and the instinctual part of it. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, Mike, some players just don't have that. That That's a gift. Correct. That is the talent. That's what we call talent. That's a yeah. gift. It's God-given gift. I call it talent, right? So, again, you know, I'll give you an explanation of, of intuition and a gift, right? So, I have had a chance to win a survivor contest the last two weeks. I, I've been putting a really this once in a lifetime spot two weeks in a row where there was four of us left first place is 133 it was 177 but we chopped 12,000 each mm. and all three of them on a sunday night game had the same team and mine was already in mm -hmm. well it was two weeks ago where um uh kansas city was like a 14 point favorite well tennessee gets out in front and it looks like tennessee's dominating well, I was able to, to make a real big bet on Kansas City, right? Where if Kansas City went, I, what I did is I took a 30,000 layoff. So now I was going to win 103, okay? Or if Kansas City was to win, I picked up 30,000 and I'm still in the turn, in the survivor because if, if their side won, I wasn't out. See what I'm saying? So I had basically, a, I could free roll whatever I wanted, right? And so then the same thing happens next week, last week, where they all had Frisco on a Sunday night game, and I had the Chargers, and the Chargers got out front 13-3, and I was able to lay off and hedge again, okay? The point I'm trying – I brought this up. Is, yeah, that was a great – you know, I picked up like 50K. I still have a shot at the 133. But I'm, I'm going to go back to intuition. When I was making my pick last uh, – two weeks ago, uh, when the Kansas City came up, I was I was I decided to take Philadelphia on a short week against Houston, and I did it because I I looked and I saw Washington was playing Philly the following week. Well, I knew a Monday night division game, right? That that this with Washington's whole season on the line was going to be a really tough spot. I said to myself, I told my friend Ben, Washington is going to beat Philly in two weeks. I'm taking him this week. And I saw, when we talk about seeing things outside the box, I saw this. Well, unfortunately, we were in the circuit contest with 90 people to go, and my my two partners insisted on taking Philadelphia. I went completely crazy on them. I said, take any team but Philly. My intuition, I see it. They're going to lose this game. I see it. And they didn't listen to me. We're now out of the circuit contest. The point is I'm trying to make is the ability to see things that other people don't see. And I saw this and I see things at the poker table that other people don't see. And you can, there's not a solver in the world that takes the human element. in. If you follow the survivor chart, which, would, which they were following. That survivor chart says, this is the week with what we had left that you take Philly, right? And they argued and argued and argued with me. If you if I showed the text messages of the back and forth, of course, now they're like, I should have listened to you, Mike. 
man, we're so sorry. We, we won't do it again. We'll do it again. We just had a one in a, we had a one in 87 chance at $6.3 million. You think that shit just rolls around every day? You know what I'm saying? And when I'm at the table, I see things. And this is also why I struggle a lot of times playing online. And I don't struggle in a game I play online with, but I play with the same player. So once I see, you know, once you, but if I go and play online with different players, I don't see it. But when I'm playing live and I look at them and I watch the way they put their chips in, I watch the way they react to their hand, I see things, just like Phil sees things. And that is Sean Deep sees things. And the you're never going to be a great all the great, great, great poker players have intuition. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with you. Uh I often uh, I often get in discussions with uh, the person I mentioned that I uh, that I study with, um, and he recognizes that my instincts are probably my biggest strength, my mathematics and my my memorization of like solvers or not. Um, but we often get in a lot of debates too because there are sometimes I do things on instincts and I get hammered by him respectfully because it's like it doesn't matter how you feel in this case. You have to do this. And we often go back and forth on it because I'm like, well, you know, not with this guy, you know, not not yeah. with this player, not in this spot, not when he's at this stage uh, uh, in the in, you know, in the six hours we're playing and he's stuck, a, you know, 60 ball, you know. So. So, yeah, there's a lot to that. I agree with that. And you got to find the balance between that. But the great players do have instincts. And I'm not I mean, a great even player. Even online, even online. Right. Yeah. I'm playing and we're playing with the same people. And I see a hesitation and then a certain size, right? And when that certain player does that certain hesitation yeah. at a certain size, he either he has it every time or he doesn't. And the human element, okay, when they're playing, they don't see it. Yeah. Okay? They just, the human element makes it – we're all human. Okay, there's no back in the day when I was crushing poker, where did I make all my money? I made it on fucking exploiting people's bet size. When in 2006, poker card runners taught everybody bet sizing, they destroyed no limit hold'em. Yeah. Now, if they they could have taught everybody, you could teach anything about no limit hold'em, but don't teach bet sizing because, like, when people had aces, they would bet small. Right. When they had ace king, they would bet big. Yeah. And so. I would just look at people and I would like sit at the table for 20 minutes, study, study them. And then I would know what they had every time. Just like every people bring up the Greg Raymer hand in 2004, Greg Raymer, when he went to re-raise, right. If he put his glasses on and I think he, and he looked, I think it was straight at you and three bet you big. It was like ace Jack or ace queen. If he put his glasses on, and put his head down, it was like ace, king, aces, or kings, right? Mm -hmm. And so you got to remember back then, nobody was like three-betting light and shit like that. Yeah. The only ones that did that were all the top players. So I I knew what he had. And that hand when he had the ace stack, the one that crippled me, is I called I – was, I was chip leader. He was third in chips. And he three-bet me big, and I knew it was ace jack. I knew it, right? And I said – I called this – like 10x re-raise at seven, nine of spades. Telling myself, if it doesn't come an ace, jack, or queen, I'm taking this pot. I remember the hand. Right? He hated your so guts. Comes, he hated your guts comes, after this hand. 
Yeah, when it came to 10-9 blank and he moves in, which shocked the fuck out of me that he moved in because right. remember we were top three fucking chips. He was third in chips, I was chip leader. And I said, all I thought about was the the Carlos Mortensen hand in 2001 where I knew he was bluffing. And I we, we can go back and talk about that if you want. And uh, I, I just didn't, I said, I made this mistake against Carlos. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to make this mistake again. And, and you know, they, back then, you know, it was tape delayed. So, it, but it was like a four minute decision. And I'm just like, please, God, don't let me be wrong. Please, God, don't right. let me be wrong. You know, I know I'm not wrong. And I looked him right in the eye. I go, I know you got ace jack. I fucking know you got ace jack. <laughs> right? And I called and he had ace jack, but he had ace jack and diamonds. And there's two diamonds on the board. And as soon as I saw that, my heart fell to the ground. Yeah. You know, because if he only has ace jack, I'm four to one fucking favorite. Right. You know? And of course, he gets the diamond right on the fucking turn. And, uh, you know, yeah. I got crippled. Now I fought back and I got it in ace king and ace queen and the queen came on the river to knock me out now that's how i play poker. i play poker by with intuition and feel and and i see things and the last event of the series this year that i got 30th in i had just tripled up with aces and i had a big stack I had like 40 bigs in a turbo and i and this is where I went, I started thinking about, um, I had, I'm sorry, what I have, 20, uh, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started thinking about what the solver people were saying, right? So this guy, uh, Henrik, he's Henrik, I forgot his last name, but he plays the super high rollers. And I had played with him, the first time I played with him was like two days earlier, and I knew he was a great player. And I even said, are you the Henrik that played the plays the high rollers? He said, yeah. I knew right away. You could see who great players are, right? And so he raises under the gun. And uh, I uh, 3X him on the button with Ace King. And then he just four bet rips. And my gut says he's got aces. Yeah. Right? But then I started thinking about, and this is why I started thinking about the solver people and the GTO people. Oh, well, it's 16 big blinds. You can't fold ace king for 16 big blinds, right? But I also said to myself, what hand is he raising in the one hole? I'm fucking min raising on the butt with a big stack that just showed aces that he doesn't have aces or kings, right? Now, if I just follow my instincts is what I talk about, instead of thinking about what the solver and the GTO people think, I, I fold this hand. And instead, I call. He shows me two kings, and I said, "Well, if it's my day, I'm going to hit an ace. If it's yours, I'm not." Of course, the flop came king high, and the hand was over. Now that hand brought me from all the momentum and 40 big blinds, yeah, back down to like 22 big blinds. And I believe if I would have just followed my gut, I might have won this tournament. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now I do come back. I I I, I run the chips back up and. And then there comes a, a really unbelievable hand. Now, Seidel ends up getting third in this tournament for like 200,000, 40K. So, th but, but he, he started the hand. I started the hand with like uh, 16 bigs. He started the hand with like 22 bigs. And a guy opened 
and I was just telling the story about the ace king versus king's hand, right? And a guy opens, shoves for like 240K, which was like eight bigs. Seidel Cole calls 240. I now rip it for 590. And, and Eric looks at me, he goes, I'm in the same spot you were just in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I knew right then Eric had his kid. Okay. So, yeah. Well, so, you know, so go ahead. So, so, so I call and, you know, this hand bothered me for two months because I know if I win the hand, yeah, I'm going to finish. Eric got third. Mm -hmm. He didn't even win the hand. Okay. If I win the hand or if I chop with Eric, I'm at the final table minimum. Totally. And so so now the flop came down, eight, nine, ten of clubs. Now the guy who moved all in had ace seven of spades. Eric had ace king, and I had ace king with the ace of clubs. So it came eight, nine, ten of clubs on flop. Yeah. I mean, this is just a massive flop for me, right? So the one guy has uh, an offsuit jack, an offsuit six or a seven hand. So he had eight outs. I had nine outs. Eric had no outs. If me and Eric hold, we pick up 200,000 a piece. And if I hit a club, I'm sitting on 30 big blinds with 1.2 million with average being about 700. So, you know, it, I brought this hand up because I'm, I'm talking about going back to intuition. I'm trying to, bring up a hand, go back to the mistake that I had made. Yeah, I get it. Because I started thinking about the solver people. Yeah, you're you right. can't fold. No, I'm, I, I, I struggle sometimes with the same decisions. And back to your point about uh, sizing, that's like one of the first things that I had to work on when I started really working hard uh, studying. And, and, and right. I look back on it, and I was that guy. If I had aces, I bet light, I did this, I did that. And you're so face up that it's just, it's so Correct. easy to pick you off. Um, let me ask you this. You mentioned you mentioned uh, Sean Deeb. Uh, after that incident on, on uh, poker after dark or whatever it was, uh, did, when he, did he slow you, roll you with, uh, yeah, with a that set? Was a, or, poker, that was day one of Poker Night in America. That's what it was, now, yeah. Are you guys friends after that? Did you make up? He has literally apologized to me about that hand, a minimum of 300 bucks. Oh, that's nice. Now, because we were such we're good friends, and he knew... I always tell them, you can make fun of me. You can do whatever you want. Just don't slow roll me. I think slow roll has no place in poker. I think it's disgraceful. I think it's bad etiquette for, for yeah, the I game. Agree. I agree. I think, I mean, it, it, to me, it's it's almost like, to me, it's like like stealing second base in baseball with a 14 nothing lead. Okay, you know, you know, if you do, <laughs> or you're up, if 40, you do that, you have 45 you get, you get to zero in football, and uh, you throw a bomb. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> it, with with with, with uh, when when Pete Carroll was up, had the USC teams up 35 nothing, he's throwing 80 yard touchdown passes. You know, you're gonna pay for that one. Day, yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, because it's just there's just no reason for it. So, you know, the only thing, like in poker, the thing that I hold really dear to me is is people who slow roll. I think. Uh, the young kids, they don't even understand, you know, like I was playing on full tilt one day, this guy head up, I think it was 50, hundred, no limit. Uh, maybe, maybe been quarter 50, whatever. And raise, he three bets me and I just four bet jam with Kings. And this motherfucker used every single time bank 
down to one second and called and had aces. And he laughed and thought it was funny. Yeah, no, not right? funny. And the truth of the matter is, is like there's just no reason for it. Like, like the game, respect the game. There's so many things like, and there's one, uh, the one thing that that I and and we and Phil talk about all the time is like, I don't want to say like, ah, you know, it wasn't for me. It but if it wasn't for me, Phil. Phil Ivey, Howard, uh, Chris Ferguson, uh, uh, Carlos Moritz said Huxley. If it wasn't for all of us that had uh, Mike Sexton, number one, yeah. sorry, yeah. Yeah, God rest his soul. We started off the World Poker Tour with 25 of us. First event, Bellagio, 50 of us, whatever it was. Second event, Reno. I remember we went to Reno and then we watched. We all sat in a room together watching the first episode of the World Poker Tour. Now, I finished ninth in that event. TV table was sixth. Uh, we built poker to where it is today. There would be, if it wasn't for the the vision of Mike Sexton and Phil Helmuth, People wouldn't be making millions and millions of dollars today yeah. off of poker. There would be no poker to make money. And the fact that they talk down to Phil the way they do, and they talk down to me, yeah. is do you think like in any other sport, the people that came before that paved the way for them to make millions of dollars that people would say bad things about? And again, I'm, I'm not saying I do, do I believe that I should have been in the Hall of Fame. I should have been in the Hall of Fame 10 years ago. It's a fucking joke. Okay. But that's beside the point. I don't care about that shit. You know, I cared about it when my father was alive because I wanted to be in the Hall of Fame for my father before he passed away. And the fact that they put people in the Hall of Fame that if I played a thousand times fucking head up with them, they lose 900 of them. You know, they put people in the Hall of Fame that are just that, that it's just to me, it's a joke. And the Hall of Fame is all political. It's all a joke. Whoever, whatever benefits the World Series of Poker at that time. I mean, it is what it is. And I don't well, care let me it. let me say this, Mike. Let me get it out. I got a statement to say, and then ask you something. Uh, I agree with you. I I I I am often befuddled by uh, by the nastiness in the poker industry. And you know, listen, listen. There is no doubt the game has evolved. There is no doubt there could be a case made for different styles and what's better to watch, et cetera. Listen, that's fine. But the bottom line is, is that we all, most of us grew up watching you guys that you mentioned and more pave the way. And so when I see guys uh, on the internet or on the mic bashing you or bashing Phil and, you know, Phil asked for it too. We'll talk about that, but, but, yeah. but still, but still. It's like it's disgusting because you guys did, and, and I mean it, you guys did so much for poker. Um, if it wasn't for Mike Sexton and Phil Helm, these yeah. are the two. I believe it. There would be, you could say moneymaker effect, whatever. You don't understand. Phil was marketing himself. Well, at first it was Amarillo Slim, right? He was mm -hmm. the one that really, really marketed the most. You know, then he had that 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 big thing with his granddaughter, so he had to be pushed aside or whatever. But, but, but Phil and Mike Sexton, I mean, I was all along for the ride, but I didn't push the TV part of it 
Yeah. Is my, they were so. Yeah, very smart they, of them. They, Phil and Mike Sexton are the reason poker is the way it is. How today. I look at it is this. How I look at it is this. Is no matter how much the game has evolved or what you think of somebody else's game in the past or whatever it is, it's almost like mm -hmm. you're taught respect, like as a kid, respect. I don't yeah. like your elders respect the generation before you yeah. and just appreciate what it was then and what it did everybody, for you now. Everybody should come up to Phil Hamuth and say, thank you. Thank you for making poker work, for giving me the ability to make well, money. Because I, I, get I mean, it. they're never going to do but that. You don't understand, okay. Mike. Mike, you don't understand. Yeah. Most people, I think a lot of the people uh, that are on the mic should understand this, but a lot of people out there just, it bypasses them. They're the younger generation. They don't understand what actually happened. And so they're hearing a lot of the noise that's coming out of people with mics. They're hearing a lot of the stuff. They're seeing the way Phil plays or you play. It's the truth. And, and they're seeing the way this is happening and they're being entertained like this. So they don't understand the true value of what happened. And even if you don't want to watch Phil Hellmuth play any more high-stakes poker or you don't want to watch right. Mike, Mattisau, yeah. Fucking be nice, like, and at least respect the grind and 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 what was done before then. And you can choose not to watch that or choose not exactly. to have them in that game. That's fine because maybe now entertainment has taken the place of the poker, the true poker, right? So that's cool, like that. No doubt yeah. about it. Like I get why that's the case, well, but I don't poker understand. Poker is the, about I entertainment. Yeah, I know, but I don't understand the disrespect. And so that for right. me, I just never understood. But leads me to this question. Uh, Okay, so we talked about Phil. He's behind you there in, in, in a baby outfit. But but here's the thing. And he is a fucking baby. Yeah, I know he is. But listen, he's created so... Like, I interviewed him. He was one of the toughest interviews I had because of his ego. Now, listen, I've said this on the podcast, and I say it all the time privately. I like Phil. You know why I like Phil? Not because I like Phil to be in a conversation with him because I get dominated, and it's and it's bragging, and it's you know yeah. it's his resume, right? But Phil, at the core of him, of him, which I got to know a little bit, is a really nice person. And he cares more for people than a lot of these other people that are bashing him. So I like Phil but a I, lot. You know, the thing is, I, I also get how they bash him. Like, like yeah. me and his friend, like a friend, his friend Ferraro, he's known for like 30 years from Wisconsin. I, I've become pretty good friends with all his Wisconsin people, right? Yeah. And, and like, he'll, he'll sit, we'll talk. He's like, man, if I ain't known Phil for 25 years and just met him, I'd punch him in his fucking No face, shit. Right? Even when you're and watching so, him. The generation yeah. watching him hates him because of his behavior, but they just don't get it. They, yeah. And, and the thing is, is and, and, and again, and I, you go back to the Trump effect, right? Is narcissism. And I'm not saying Phil's a narcissist, you know. But I think Phil's, I think Phil's got some narcissistic tendencies, bro. Some narcissist. Yeah, yeah believe me. You can't say I he's not. I don't believe he's a complete. Phil wants to be loved, okay? Phil wants everyone to love him. Phil wants... You know, when Phil got called out for the last time for buying in, for having like 5,000 on the table and everybody had 300. Yeah. And, and, the, and the ribbing they took. Well, that was a little excessive, know? won't you think, the 5,000? I, mean, I, I, I don't want to really talk about our private phone calls, but like he was really hurt. He's like, everybody always wanted to watch me play poker. Now they want to watch Keating, Persons. I'm like, Phil, it's not that they don't want to watch you play poker. They want to watch a bunch of fucking lunatics fucking put in like of course you know it's, and, it's and, more fun and, to watch and and the, and the thing is it's like and i'm very good friends with keating too you know i talked to him yesterday and keating does things for a reason like keating rebuys 150 and then he has nine four offsuit and he puts 150,000 on nine four offsuit and right. he laughs about it right okay? and 
Phil could do that if he wanted to. Yeah, okay. But Phil and me are a lot alike when it comes to this. We're not hustlers, okay? And I'm not saying that Keating's a hustler. Okay, don't get me wrong. But Keating does things for a reason, okay? I can't stand it. I can't, I can't dump 300000 to make a million in the long. I just can't do it. I, can't, I, I, I hate to lose. Phil Hellmuth hates to lose 100 times more than I hate to lose. I, I know. Okay. I know. So, so I'm in that category too, which puts me in your category and his category. I'm the same way. Yeah. I could have millions of dollars, which I might, but yeah. I just cannot go for entertainment to go donk off a half a million mm-hmm. bucks. Uh, even if it's, like you said, going to gain me whatever. I can't do it. I hate to lose. You can ask I, I, if anyone knew yeah. who I worked with. I'm on suicide watch after three or four yeah. losing sessions. Now, now if I, if I, if I was sitting on the money I had back in the day when my poker was flowing and I see that that's how it is now, I might dump five, 600,000 maybe to put myself in a position to get into some private games because yeah. unfortunately one of the worst things that's ever happened to poker in the last 10 years is private games and the ability to be a professional poker player and not be able to make a living because you can't get in a private game. That's true. I the mean, politics is ridiculous in that. It's aspect. really, really bad. And I, I really believe this, and I believe it to the death do I part, is for casinos to allow private games is so wrong. If people want to play in a private games up in, up in uh, Veer or in Towers, whatever they play in, you know, all these private games, let them play. But, to come into a Aria or Bellagio and say, sorry, you can't play. This is well, let me, let me, let me tell you a story. Let me finish it too. Cause I know you got a big mouth, but let me finish this. Okay. So it's like, I'm believe it or not, I'm more new to the poker scene than, than anyone thinks because for years when I was playing, I was playing as a businessman. I had no idea about the politics of poker. I didn't understand any of the stuff. I didn't even know I was the mark. Okay. That's, I just didn't know anything. I just was seeing cards and clicking some buttons. Right. And Mm -hmm. as I'm getting into this, even as of like last year, I didn't really understand the politics of poker with what you just mentioned in like private games. And I'll tell a story and I'll name this person, but I mean it in a nice way because she's right. But you know, Danielle Anderson, she's an amazing person, right? I like her. Yeah, you play together. She's a great networker. She knows. She's awesome, right? Well, she runs a game somewhere in Vegas and it's in the area somewhere or do some. And I was there with Ryan. Okay. Now this is how naive I am. I play one, I play, and I play how I play. I don't go in to try to get the seat for the next day. I don't even know that exists. And this is like a year or two ago, whatever it was. Oh, I remember, I know what they were talking about. Okay, hold, yeah, and so. I couldn't get in the game that day for a reason. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, so I play whatever, and then like the next day, like Ryan's gonna go play again, and this is where Ryan and I differ. This is back like different generations or different thought process. So Danielle, I don't know her other than meeting her there and maybe yeah. some online stuff. He and she's like, like no, no offense, Ryan, but like your buddy can't play. And I'm like, yeah. and Ryan's like, hey, dude, I, I hate to, yeah, I hate to break it to you. you. Can't. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why can't I play? And he's like, well, you know, you don't, you don't give any action this way, and you don't take shots when they do, and you don't do this and you don't do that. I said, well, I don't want to drink. So I don't want to take a shot. He goes, well, you kind of got to like do these things to get these seats. And I go, well, wait a minute. I'm seeing you play in this game and you just lost like 85,000, but you're going to get the seat today. 
but is but I don't understand it. You're doing. He goes, yeah. Well, you got to do these things, and you got. I go, but yeah, but yeah. you lost almost hundred thousand. What's the purpose? Like, aren't we there to try to win? He goes, yeah, but it's not how it works. That's how naive I was as a I year and a half ago to the poker politics of a private game. But and, and God and God bless. And by the way, Daniel, if you you're probably not going to watch my podcast because not very good. But He's if you in happen, Columbia right now. But if you happen to do it, no it. offense taken, because now I kind of get it, and I wouldn't let me play anyway. So I hope you're doing great. I love you. I love your posts, and I think you're a great person. Yeah. Okay, go. He's great. Yeah. And so when COVID first started, and they and, and we started the private game, and because I'm Phil's best friend, you know, he got me in the game. I didn't know how private. I was like, when they said, kept saying, I have to get up. I'm like, why, why do I have to get up? Right? Right. And, and, and then I would, I would like, I took it personal. Yeah, you know, same. like I, would, I took it personally. And I'm like, no, it's not personal, Mike. This is how private games work. And I'm thinking, well, why do they get to sit, not me? Right? And we, that means Phil, we used to get in these huge fights and over the game. And, right. and I didn't understand it. Right? Right. And now, you know, I do understand it. Like, I'm in a private game now, and I'm the best player, and I'm the first one that has to get it up every yeah. single day. You've mentioned that. And, and, I, and I'm fine with it. You know, now because you get it, most, but but see, here's the thing: Why am I still able to play in the private games? Okay, well, you got to bring something to it. I make everyone fucking laugh, win or lose. I make fun of people. Uh, they'll be like people who are afraid to say something. They're like Mike. Say yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so like I, somebody got, I don't know, got stacked in the day for a massive pot, and I was just like, wow. Uh, I'm like, you played that great. I'm like, I, I can't believe how great you played. What a, oh, I'll tell you who well, he don't mind. Was our boy J Books, Jeremy, right? Yeah, I love Jeremy. Jeremy Levin, right? Jeremy Levin fucking plays his hand like as bad as he could play and he's fucking loses. <laughs> and, and then the very next hand, he plays against against Ryan and he gets in like ridiculous amount of money just drawing just about dead and hits perfect, perfect on the first board, perfect per, he don't mind, Jeremy don't mind what I thought to say about his hand, but bottom line was it was 2,400 to go in four spots. Flop came nine, six, five. And, um, it went bet big by a certain player. I don't want to say the person's name. Yeah, don't. Jeremy call Ryan move in for another 14. Uh, Jeremy call Ryan's got queen nine, which I thought he had a much bigger hand than queen nine. Jeremy has two sevens. It comes three, four on the first board for a straight and blank seven on the second board. And, and it was, and I just was making so much fun of fucking Jerry. It was, yeah. it was brutal beat, you know, especially yeah. if Phil had folded two eights in the hand. But, but the point is, is like, <laughs> I mean, I was just ribbing, you know what I yeah. mean? And, People like to play with me because I make people laugh. You know, well, what I'm that's about that's about what I bring to the table too. Now, listen, if I didn't own a poker show, I wouldn't be getting a seat, right? Like, is that? Mm -hmm. Let's face it, I'm probably not getting a seat. Of course not. Ryan isn't. But gonna, I also Ryan told people all the time, you know, and and, and when people mm -hmm. were saying things, I'm like, listen, when 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 Nick put up the money to start this show. Part of the contract with Ryan was I get a seat whenever yeah, I want. Because that was the deal. I'm 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 re I'm pretty much retired. I'm running a poker show, and 
I wake up in the morning and when it's one of the three days or two days that I'm playing, I'm actually excited. I want to play. Now, when I get to the table, I have that same effect as you. These are my friends. We needle, we joke, we talk, we do things, Mm -hmm. even to the point where people think like, I'm a dick and don't like me because they think whatever, but they don't understand. These guys are my friends and I try to talk at the table and bring that aspect and do that because I'm not going to fucking shove with 6'3 offsuit. I'm just not. Like, I don't care if it's someone's favorite hand. I'm not going to do it. So these are the things. And so it's funny because I've learned more about the poker industry in the last year, which we've been just running over a year than I ever have known in my whole life. And uh, it's very interesting. It's uh, sometimes very discouraging. and But still, I love it so much because it's it's what I love. Yeah. And, 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 and listen, I, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm very lucky to be able to play in private games. I'm very lucky that I could call you anytime I want, say I'm coming to LA yeah. and play for a week. Okay. I'm blessed. Okay. And I, and, and I know that and yeah. I don't want to take it for granted, but I also know again, I truly believe there should never be a private game in, in, in a casino. I, I believe I just don't think it's right, and but it's never going to change. I talked to yeah. Sean McCormick about this. Yeah, and Sean McCormick told me too far down the rabbit hole, Mike. There's yeah, no way yeah, out. it's there's no turning back, like, Mike. And you know, a lot you know, of people, a lot of people don't know is talking about. First of all, I don't know how you remember all these hands because someone who says your brain shot from drugs listen let me tell you something mike i can't can remember every I, poker hand I can't, it's the most incredible thing i can't remember one hand i played last session maybe if i see a clip so it's it's pretty impressive to me because that's one of my i just can't remember shit like that but i will say yeah. this people don't know i've heard a lot of these stories here's why because and I think this is hysterical. I was sitting home uh, about a few weeks ago. We, you text me something, I text you back, and the phone rang. And I'm like, okay, I need to commit the next 30 minutes of my life to this because this was going to happen. And I literally laughed my ass off. We pick up the phone. We had a couple word exchange, and you talked for 30 fucking minutes straight. And then you know what you said when you were done? Hey, man, I'll talk to you another time. And I didn't say a fucking word. <laughs> And I had yeah, a speaker, that, yeah. and it's get, hysterical. People don't understand. Like, it's just hysterical to me that you're late well, like, night calls like, and you rants. Know, you try, you try and better yourself as a person, right? So, what is my biggest problem in life? I repeat myself too much, <laughs> and I yeah. talk, and I don't let other people's quiet talk a lot. Like, even when I'm doing my podcast and I have a guest on, you struggle. I have, I, I, I tell myself concentrate on not talking over them. Right. You know, I'm saying concentrate, concentrate, you know, and, and it's just it's not that it must have been a bad person. It just no, means, you know, not at all. You're Mike. Be- you're Mike the mouth. And that's why when I started like to say something, I say, Mike, let me finish it even before yeah. I say it, because I know you're going to cut me off and I and I'm a momentum speaker. I can't think if you cut me yeah, off. Of course. So I already know you're going to do it. And that's why I prefaced to at least take a 50 50 shot. You're not going to. So, yeah. Let me ask you this, you Mike, know, real quick. Let me ask you this. You got into poker with Phil Hellmuth at the time with Mike Sexton. You talked about that. Are, do you have regrets that, and, and I know you're not going to mind this question because you're so fucking open, but do you regret, like, like you should be richer. You should be somewhere near Phil Hellmuth or even a, a click or two down, but you're mm-hmm. not. And you still got some markers to pay, like you said. Do you regret the fact that your weaknesses and some of the addictions and all this stuff, like you've went broke, you've told me personally fucking a million times, like, does it ever eat you away that you could be a multimillionaire? No, because you know what? I lost 6.7 million bet sports. I haven't bet sports bet since 2016. Yeah. Right. 
I watch this. Now I play these all I play these contests. You know, like I said, I was two weeks in a row, I was in a spot where I was able to hedge uh free roll myself on this 133k and I was able to make a nice little score where I've locked up already 50k even if I don't even make the or I've locked up something like 62k whether I win the 133 or not. Everything I do now is money management, game selection. I tell myself this every day. Money management, game selection. I watch these fucking football games and I watch the way they they end and the craziness of all these games. And there's always somebody I text that at least probably the last 10 Sundays in a row. I can't believe I used to bet millions on this shit. That's my text. I can't believe I used to bet millions on this shit. And I realized it did, It took me until 2016. Uh, I don't want to name any names, but uh, after my injury in 2014, 2015, I was trying to make money. So because I was a big fish and I used to be able to get a dollar five, we were getting down on my accounts. I was running around town to get a half point here and a half point there. And I, I was working for very sharp people. And they had their only losing gear they'd had in 20 years. And that's when I realized how hard it was to win a bet. Here I am, either all over the place to try and save a half point, running to the sands, running to this casino, the point better here, half point. Because I learned that to, to win in sports, first of all, you, you can't take a bad line. You, you just can't. It's all about always getting down for the getting the, the getting the number, but when we couldn't win, and, and my my my, and then I could go back to two thousand and four. Me and a guy named Steve Flicker, two thousand three, we used to book, uh, and we booked uh, uh, Eric Lindgren and Mike Wattell, who were the biggest degenerates back then, and they beat us for three point four million dollars. And we were broke. Mm. Just busted both of us. Yeah. And most bookies will say, you know, keep uh, good luck this week. And then they'll, they win that week. They'll say, oh, listen, I got a bunch of money outstanding. And, uh, you know, you'll have your money next week. That's what bookies do, right? <clears throat> but we like, you know, you we have no money. You're going to have to bet with someone else because we're ethical people. And not only did they lose all that money back, but they, they – they ended up losing all that back plus like a million each and we didn't get any of it. So uh, the, the point I'm trying to make is I never won booking. I never won betting and I couldn't win following the sharpest people in the world. Well, and that's when I finally, that's when I finally realized the man upstairs is telling me to get the fuck away from sports. Yeah. You well, <clears throat> that's just something that I'm the only guy who ever booked in the history of sports that yeah, went broke. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, Every book he's got all the fucking money. So back to my yeah. question. Do you ever look back and think to yourself, fuck, what did I do? I could be in a financial situation now, maybe like Phil who gave his net worth on my podcast or a ballpark of it and just said, wow, if I would have not made those mistakes, put my energies into building my brand into businesses and different things and not donking off in sports. Do you ever like, do you ever sit and have a, a moment? Yeah, you know of, what I tell myself? I know what I tell myself. What? I'd be dead. I'd be dead. Because out of boredom? Because, no, because if I had all that money, I, I might have 
just never quit doing drugs, you know, in right. 2003. So you know how many times have I, you gone broke? Nine. Okay. And for people that don't know, you did how long you did time for drugs, yeah? I, well, I, I got set up. I mean, I didn't. I never sold a drug in my life. Uh, a doctor, literally my doctor. When I say my doctor, like if I get, if you get sick, you have a doctor you go to, right? Yeah. Everybody has their own personal doctor. Can you imagine going to your own personal doctor and your own personal doctor sets you up with an undercover cop to go buy drugs for him? Tell him because because he got busted for for giving out scripts and somebody died giving out a legal. So he had to work. So he he had to work up. off his pinch and he used you. <clears throat> what Correct. made you do it for him? He was my doctor. <laughs> yeah, he was like, Mike, I need you to get, like, I need this guy just moved to town. Yeah. I need you to get me a couple hundred ecstasy tabs, and I need you to get me, like, two grams of Did, coke. And didn't you, I, didn't I didn't you think it was it. odd that your doctor asked you for ecstasy and, and coke? Well, well here's the <laughs> thing. You might need a new doctor. Just, well, here's the, here's the thing, right? Yeah. Remember, let's go back to intuition, Yeah. right? My intuition told me this guy's an undercover cop, right? But... I had quit doing drugs on July 23rd, or 26th of 2003. And this guy remained my friend for like a year. And I didn't go out and get him stuff for like six months. I'm like, dude, I don't do drugs no more. Why would you want me to go out right. and get stuff for you? You know? So, and I called Keon at the time, Keon Cavay, Dr. Cavay. And I said, dude, I go, I've been clean for like four months. You, you're pushing me to go and find somebody to get this guy stuff. I go, I don't feel comfortable doing this. I don't, first of all, I don't even know what two grams of cocaine looks like. You know what I mean? What is that? What is that? You know? And I remember, I remember finally agreeing to get it. And I made literally, this is a true story. It took me two weeks of phone calls to make. And I went and picked it up. I was so nervous. Right. And I got it from this guy. And I was scared to death. I gave him, I was like, here, this, this is what it cost me. Just, you know, whatever. And there was just a setup job. They, then they said, Let, you know, then I find out when I'm on there, forget it was 04. I was at Borgata and the guy who I used to get now back, people think I, I was a big druggie. No, I was not a big druggie. I went, I never did drugs during the week. I went out on a Saturday night. I did ecstasy tabs. You liked a little then, ecstasy and some hookers and hookers and blow. And then on Sunday, so they didn't have pool parties back in Vegas in the day. So the pool party, I, I had like a hundred thousand dollar pool in my backyard. So so we, you know, we do ecstasy to like five AM, six AM at, at at Dre's. And then we bring the whole fucking club back to my house and and then we do blow and the people run around naked and I had a listen, I I I had a life people would just dream about, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and so uh, and the, and, you know, going back to when I talked about crystal meth is I didn't even know what meth was. I just remember the girl I was dating at the time. She says, Oh, take a little snort, a little bit of this and it'll make you focus. Cause I kept saying, uh, we used to call it black Tuesday. When you did ecstasy on Saturday, you'd be like dumb and, and, and retarded on t Tuesday. <laughs> so I would take this little bit of, she called it, um, ice, which ended up, I didn't know it was actual or she called it speed. I didn't know what speed was. Speed is crystal meth, but I right. didn't know. I was so naive. I didn't know. Right. And so then I would take that and I would play at this really high level. And like the first six months that I would do the, the crystal meth, uh, 
I won like 1.8 million. And I thought I was how much more, how much more addicting is meth than Coke? Coke is not addicting. I'm saying meth is Coke, is ridiculously addicting. It's so it's, it's it's and it's not even physically addicting. It's mentally. Addicting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so uh, for people, first thing I want to say is people who want to say that Adderall and meth are the same, they're 100 percent wrong. Right. The only time Adderall becomes like crystal meth is if you decide to take, I don't know. 20 pills in three days and stay up for three days. Yeah. Then it becomes like crystal meth. Okay. If you just take your regular half of Adderall, it, it's nothing like crystal meth. Yeah. No, zero. Nothing right. like. Okay. So, um, but what it, in poker? What makes what what makes you a great poker player? Confidence. Right. Yeah. When you're fucking on a roll, yes. you're playing with confidence yes. and you're seeing through the cards, you just feel unbeatable. Right. Well, when you take the one thing I never did is they I never smoked crystal meth because they told me if you ever smoke it, you'll never get off. Right. And there's two, two, two or three top players in poker that to this day that I know very well that still struggle because they smoked a lot of it. Right. right. Yeah. And so I never smoked it. So I never, I don't know what it feels like to smoke it, yeah. but I've heard that it's absolutely insane. So well, our jails are filled with people who can't who stop smoke smoking it, right? And, yeah, and inject. Correct. So let me ask you this: uh, switching gears, random question. Uh, how much do you have left in markers before you're clean? Oh, less than one fifty. Less than one fifty. So you're close. It was, was seven eighty three before the World Series started, or four. Nice. So you're grinding your way down. Yeah, that's great. And so, so, so the thing is, is, is so, so what meth does is it makes you feel like Superman. So you're not done with the meth subject. Well, I just want to say it. All right, go, it makes go. You feel, it makes you feel invincible. Right. Right. And as a poker player, when you're playing with confidence, invincible, like you're seeing through the cards. Now, I don't want anybody ever to ever. Yeah. Meth don't, is death. don't, don't do this. Meth is death. Don't do this okay? to win it. That is my, that is my model. Meth is death. If anybody ever tells me they want to try crystal meth, I would say, I'll, I'll kill you. Meth is death. It is truly the, well, I mean, now fentanyl is probably the worst drug uh, going through the country, but but meth is death. So, yeah. But I never, like, again, it was ecstasy Saturday night, coke to stay up on Sunday to party with the strippers and the porn stars and shit. And then, like one tiny line of, of meth on Tuesday to focus. But, you know, I wish I never, I, I, do I have any regrets for the drugs I did? I, I, I wish I never did the meth, you know, yeah. cause I know it, it was, I remember I came back from, uh, Paris. Uh, I was in Paris for seven days and then I went over to crazy horse. No, to, Cheetah, Cheetah, where did I meet that girl at? Whatever. And I partied with this porn star for two more days. And I realized that I'd slept two days in nine days. And that's when I said to myself, oh, my God, I got I got a problem. I need help. Yeah. And then I went I went to a psychologist. I told him everything of what I'm going through, how I don't want to ever do drugs anymore. And, um, and that's when I realized that I was, that I had a, slight case of bipolar and I was using street drugs to medicate myself. And he told me that I was going to have 
the um, that I would uh, uh, have the urge for crystal meth up till a year and a half. And two weeks before a year and a half came up, I still had the, I had an urge still, and then it went away, and I never had the urge again. Yeah, and it's, it's funny. It a, it's funny because this. back back in the day, I I remember this conversation more vividly than a lot of things. And uh, when I was uh, I was a reserve cop for almost 18, 18 years plus, uh, worked, you know, patrol for years. And um, I remember talking to a guy that uh, we were standing talking to. He was a meth addict and uh, homeless and I forget what crime it was. But I just remember standing on the side of the road while everything was happening and just started chatting with him. And and, you know, as he started telling me something, he's like. I'm like, wait, you did what? Like he worked here. He was a CEO of this. And, you know, he had a wife. He had three kids. So we start talking. I'm like, wait a minute. You were the, C I won't mention the company. You were the, he goes, yeah. And, and I go, and then th and I go, what happened? He goes, I smoked a bowl of meth. And that was there the end of it for me. That was the end of it. It just was a downhill solemn from that moment. He lost everything, all his money, his family, his job, his status. And he was on a sitting on the side of the street with a pretty good rap sheet because he could not stop smoking meth. Mm -hmm. Period. <clears throat> it's funny. It's like I said, again, like the first six months I made all this money. And then after that, because it makes you feel like Superman, you think you're Superman. You think you're playing great. Yeah. But people are lining up to play with you, and you don't even realize it. Yeah, you're yeah. Away. That's like how they were at the bike when I would get in seat five. They would like there was a, a line around around uh, uh, the bike. To all the young kids out there, listen, don't ever, yeah, don't, don't do, do drugs, man. Yeah. Because like, like a person I look up to right now, and, and, and I was always a good kid, and he had a drug problem. Everybody knew he had a drug problem, and uh, Chino Reed, and now he's been clean now. He got clean. Mm -hmm. He had a he had a poker player. I'm not going to name any names that put up a lot of money to put him in the the top rehab place in the country. You, I mean, and I'm not saying name the name, but that's a pretty cool thing to do. Would that person hate that you just said it? Yeah, I mean, uh, no, don't if you think it's bad for him. Yeah, but. I don't know, but the fact that he did this for him, yeah, and he wanted to finally because Chino, again, he's a once in a generation talent too. This sure. is a guy that that. People want to talk about who the best fucking player, tournament poker player in the world is. Well, Chino used to win a seven-figure score every year. Fucking yeah. cracked out. Well, that was you know my that was my next question. Who who do you think past I mean, and present? Chino's the clean. Chino got clean, and you seen what he's done to poker the last year. Oh. I mean, I mean, God bless Chino. I love this guy so much. You know, yeah, he owed a lot of people money, but he he wasn't one of the guys that maliciously stole people's money. You know, sure. He would just lose. You know, yeah. He was there. He had a problem, always, and he and he got. He always paid people back. Yeah. And, and and I tell you right now, and, and I, I I look up and say, and I look at Chino every time I tell him, don't ever do it. Well, I didn't know he, this. He told, he told, you know, he told me he'll he's 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 home free. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, but you're you gotta, you're really never home. You got to be careful with that statement. Because Correct. you're just one, you're just one puff away. But but here's the thing, I didn't know that about Chino. So let me just say, because I don't even know him, never met him, but I'm really happy for good him. Person, I'm, I'm, really if he good, ever hears this, I'm I'm glad you got it together. Now, I was going to ask you, Mike, uh, past and present, top tournament players in the past, top tournament players now, top cash players back in the day when you were coming up, and top cash players now. Well, again, 
this is hard for me to say because I, I'm not out there. You see what I'm saying? I'm not out watching and playing in big cash games. If you don't I'm know, not, you know, as far as tournament goes, you know, I, I mean, I think Sean Deeb's fucking just absolutely amazing. And, you know, he just had a shot to win WSOP Europe. Um, yeah, saw that. He, he believes he's going to catch Phil Homeyuth. I think he's going to have a shot, but I don't think he'll catch him because I taught Phil how to play all the mixed games. Phil was always a, 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 a not very good in the mixed games. I mean, he understood a few games, but I said, Phil, listen, you want to go down as the greatest poker player of all time. You ain't going to do it, Nolan Mahold. Okay. Nolan Mahold, there's too many great players. There's too, there's, there's way too much variance. There's how many, nobody how many of his bracelets are no limit? I don't know. Do you know? Well, up until his last two bracelets, or last, I'm sorry, his last one, two, his last three or four bracelets, every fuck, his first 12 were all in hold. Seven, eight no limit, four in limit hold. Mm. Okay. And um, he's going to get an Omaha 8 bracelet because he's really listened and he really understands things. And people will say, well, why do you teach Phil all these games? Why do I well, things were bad for me. Nobody was there. Phil was there for me. Yeah, you okay. told me that one time. You know, yeah. And, and I'm not saying financially, okay, because Phil didn't give people think, oh, Phil gave me all this money to help me get it back on top. No. Phil took pieces of me. Um, I mean, he didn't, I think maybe still loaned me 5,000. I mean, I've never owed Phil more than 10,000. So most of the time it was still being for me, psych, psych, mentally still being for me, taking pieces of me. Uh, once I started to build up a little bit of a bankroll, like the old Mike, the old Mike would probably have, I'd probably have $3 million right now, Yeah, you know, because well, I would just take, I would Phil, take the 20,000 I had, I would just. Yeah put it on a table I'd run it up right but this mike decided i play for 10 percent, 15 percent, 20 percent and for the last three years until i was playing for 100 percent of myself because i told myself i'm not going broke again you know that's it i just made up my mind i'm not going broke again and and i i could pay off everybody i have that i owe right now you know but i i have a certain bankroll that i have yeah, I put myself first now instead of whenever I would make a hundred grand, I'd give seventy five away to people. Keep twenty five, lose two days in a row, be broke again. Right. You know, this time I decided that hey, you guys are going to have to wait a little bit, and uh, they didn't like it, but it was the best choice I made. And uh, yeah, and uh, well, if I, I, I what, from what I know about you, they're going to get paid. Um, yeah. And I tell you, you know, <clears throat> I've been on calls, I've been in person and on calls with you and Phil. And I've never mm -hmm. seen two people fight more. Usually, Phil hammering the shit out of you. He's very aggressive with you. But I will say yeah. this: I know you Not guys. Anymore, I though. know you guys are like brothers because anytime I talk to you, you have the nicest things to say about him. And and on and off camera, the same. He he is just he's just mm -hmm. has nothing but good things to say about you. And so it's good you have that kind of relationship. And and that's what I'm saying. That's the vibe I feel from Phil. Um, what advice would you give Phil to to pull himself out of some of the hate he gets, or do you think it's too far gone and he can't? This this, this is okay. So, and and I tell people all the time they can say whatever they want. 
Phil's instincts in, po- in poker is top five in the world, top three in the world, for sure. Maybe top. Okay. Phil, if Phil would just stop the ego. Yeah. Okay. Go out, study the solvers, study the GTO. Okay. Get his mechanics. His mechanics are horrific. Get his mechanics flawless. Mm-hmm. And not put, you don't have to put the GTO and the solver into your game, but know what other people are doing. Yeah. That's what Daniel did. But what did Daniel do? Daniel got too much into the solver, into the GTO, and all of a sudden his game started to become but all he, about is he pulling, that. But is he pulling back now and balancing well, now it? Now he has. <clears throat> yeah. So now what did he do? He wins the super high roller ball, limping to death. You know, you see this new saying, limp, pimping, limping is pimping, whatever. Yeah. Right? Now, Phil, I've been telling him for years, just limp. The, the solvers don't know what to do to a limp. <laughs> as long as you're – let me ask you something. If you raise the same amount in all situations with different hands, you're balanced, correct? Yes. If you limp all the time, you're also balanced. Yeah. Okay, and you lower the variance. Are we talking tournament or cash? Talk tournaments. Okay. Okay. And so, because this is a no-no in Daniel. Just so you know, Daniel, when he went to WSOP Europe, he finished like fourth in a main event. He says, "All I know is I'll be getting my money in two to one favorite, and if I win, I win. If I don't, I don't." Well, for like two years. Daniel was following the solvers, which is Jack Queen suited, 16 big blinds. Blind. Guy just shoved on me, call, because the solver says to call. Okay? Or I've got Jack 10 of spades. I've got 15 big blinds, blind against blinds, shove. Well, Daniel got sick of fucking losing every fucking flip, right? Or, or, or you know, and play. So he started just small balling. With 15 big lines or less, because that's what Daniel used to do. Daniel was the best small ball player in the world. Daniel's one I re- of the I remember, best I remember, I've ever met. I remember when that was his style. You know, and I even said to Daniel, I, and again, it's like the day before he won the Super High Roller Bowl, we were texting. He goes, Mike, I'm going to really fuck him up because I'm going to limp 100 big blinds deep. <laughs> they're not going to know what happened. I said, yes. I go, that's a fucking, that's exactly what you should do, right? And because I know, I just know that the, the solver, the, I used to always say, like, what do you do when the guy raises the button and I just flat call with two aces out of the small blind, right? Yeah. If I'm always flat calling with big hands out of small blind, terms, the solver doesn't know what to do. Yeah. If you three bet, the solver's going to tell you, you know what I'm saying? And so when he told me he was going to do this, I said, oh, I love it. I love it. Right. Yeah. And then he wins it. Right? right. And I watched it and he played so fucking good. Yeah. I mean, he played fucking flawlessly. And I'm going to, I call it where it is. I mean, he was never at risk. He never played a big pot. And now they're going to, it was funny. I, I, people were like, you know, giving Daniel a lot of credit. That was very interesting. The new stuff you were doing. Right. And my answer was, and Daniel got a little mad at me for it, but 
That's the stuff that Phil's been telling you for the last 10 years when Phil's been limping and all you guys have been doing is making fun of him and telling him how bad he is, yeah. you know? And that, they're like, well, but Phil don't limp 100 big blind feet because Phil never has 100 big blinds. Well, what's the difference? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I got and, it. And even when, when Daniel lost to Doug Polk, right, Doug or Daniel decide to learn from MJ or whatever, you know, the certain style head up, and he fought fire with fire. And Doug had been doing that style for 10 years, and now Daniel's been doing it for six months, where I believe that if Daniel just limped them, just limped every fucking button until, and then you just keep the pot small, and you just finally, all of a sudden, you're showing him the nuts every time. Now, ever all of a sudden, he it stops his ability to to attack you and and just bluff you and bluff you and bluff you, and so I I believe that once Doug would have saw that Daniel had it every time. Now Daniel turns on the fucking gear right. and starts three bet and ramp. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm trying to say? I understand. And so I just feel like he he played into his hands and just wasn't quite balanced enough. Yeah. And and so now you you see some of these top players. And everything go, everything, in, everything kind of circles back in poker, right? In 2011, it was raised three bet, four bet, five bet. I'm like, what are these fucking people doing, right? And I remember coming back when, like, 2017, when I first started back at No Limit again. I go, Daniel, where'd all the four and five betters go? He goes, oh, they went broke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because even back in the days, in 2000, even when I, when I, Carlos. When Carlos five bet me at the main event final table, right? I had a tell on him. I knew he had nothing. I somehow didn't follow my tell. And if I call and lose the pot, I would have finished sixth anyways. But if I call and win the pot, I, I won the World Series. So that 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 hand that hand really haunted me for many years. It still does. But well, well Mike, I'll, I'll tell you real quick. <clears throat> so let me give you my answer because the original question. By the way, I like that rabbit hole, so don't don't worry because that was very interesting. But the original question was, what advice would we give to Phil? And let me tell you what I would give. And I don't mean advice that well, he, my my advice would be to Phil is learn what <clears throat> get your mechanics fucking right. Yep. And learn what other people are doing. Yeah. Study. Well, mine That's would my be advice. mine would be more on the question of why he receives a lot of the the pushback. And I probably should take. My own I just advi- told you why. Well, let me, well, let me just well, let, me, let me finish. Remember the cutting off thing? So, okay. So, yeah, let me get this out. So, point is, is I make a lot of mistakes, too, with my personality in a different way than Phil. It's not an ego brag thing. It's more of an ego, like, you know, fuck you thing when, when people are attacking. And so, I'm learning a lot of lessons going through what I'm going through. But what I would tell Phil, and let me say something. Phil came in here. He, listen, he did that for me. I, I, he did not give two shits about coming on my podcast. He came all the way from the bike to do that. It was very nice of him, and it was a great interview, even though it was very difficult because of his ego. But one thing that I would just say to him looking, because it's so much easier when you look at somebody else. Like I'm sh- So many people have come to me and said, Nick, like this is why. And I'm like, shit, yeah, I didn't realize that. And they've given me good advice on, on how to handle myself when it comes to adversity. Well, the same thing that I would love to have told Phil and I wanted to, but it would be, it was hard to get, you know, a word in is like this, like, look, Phil, your accomplishments, regardless of what anyone wants to say about you are going to speak for themselves for, for the rest of time in poker. There is no getting around the fact that he's one of the greatest tournament players out there ever. His stats speak for it. He's done amazing things for poker. Like you said, if it wasn't for him and Sexton and you guys and who knows, okay, 
But what I would just say is like when I would ask him a question and it was a tough question like how do you feel about people that just want to watch Alan Keating and not you anymore? Like I know that that hurts him. I wasn't trying to hurt him. Hold on. And I wasn't trying to hurt him. I just know that that's something that needs to be talked about. But instead of just saying like, Nick, look, I understand why they want to see this because of this. And look, here's who I am. Here's how I came up. Here's how my philosophy is. And I get that. And just because anytime I asked Phil a question, it would be the first a minute and a half was his resume. No matter what I asked him, he gave me the same stats and then kind of answered the question and then was very defensive like I am sometimes I get defensive about being attacked and different things. And I just wanted to say to him, and I didn't, and I wish I would have after two, but we didn't have time is just to say, look, dude, lean in to who you are, lean in to why you do the things you do, be humble about it and let your stats speak for themselves. And all these people won't have the blood in the water to come attack you on the content of the ego, right? And mm -hmm. so that's what I would tell Phil because, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, Phil's a really nice person, a lot nicer than some of these players that everyone wants to watch. They're just, he's just a good person and he's mm -hmm. accomplished so much, like, let it be. You got a great family. You, you've made yeah. millions. You're worth hundreds of million, not hundreds, but you're worth millions and millions of dollars and you've created this amazing brand. Now just pull back the reins, accept who you are and lean into it. And I told them like, as far as like, you, you don't need to be the poker brat anymore. Yeah. You don't, you're, no. you're, you're, you don't need you, to build that like, brand. I don't need to be Mike the mouth. Like but you Phil still says are. To me, I know. But Phil says to me, you need to start needle. You need to start going back to your old ways at the table and digging into people nah, and nah. getting under people's skin. I'm like, Phil, people play too fucking good now to fucking worry about that. Yeah. Okay. I need to worry about what they're fucking doing. I'm like, you, you no know, limit hold them. If you fucking miss it, like we, you know, we talk about the it, right? We talk yeah. about the when you see it. You know yeah. what I mean? If you miss the it for a second, you're fucking out. You're done. Yeah. Right. So, the the thing about no limit hold them, and again, why I didn't I didn't play for so long is because of the pain I'm in all the time, because of medication I'm all the time. It's like no limit hold them. You miss you miss it for this much, you get felt it. You know, yeah. you're playing a 400, 800 mixed game and you miss it. You pay off an extra 800. You go to the next hand. You see what I'm saying? And so uh, I've learned a lot where here, here's the thing is what I've done. And again, I don't want to sound braggadocious because I'm not because uh, knock on wood, it can change tomorrow. But I have learned correct everything now because people are so good is sizing is what you must it, size oh, correct yeah. yeah if you miss size versus a top player they will see it okay right. and these are the things that phil where he gets made fun of by the top players if phil understands size we learn understand and it's really easy is understand sizing. Make sure when you have that you're balanced on sizing. You know, Daniel Negreanu taught me something. He said, Mike, three bet suited connectors 25% of the time and use the same suit per day. 
So if you sit down at a cash game or a tournament, whatever, say, okay, today's suit is spades. One out of four times that you have five, six suited, seven, eight suited, eight, you fucking three bet and you stay balanced. Okay. And this is something I, I took to heart. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And because I have such a tight image, you know, I'm able to use my image really totally. good. Yeah. And, and so again, there's two ways to play poker. There's lots of ways to play poker. You could play like Chance Pornhook, who's, who's a fantastic poker player and who plays really fast. Okay. <clears throat> but it's hard to make hands. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah. Are you, do you want to play fast? Or you, you know, some people can play fast and then you're always going to get paid because they know how fast you are, right? Or can you play small ball, super tight, three bet on the exact correct frequencies that you're supposed to, and then bomb it? Because like, it's even like let's let's go back to how I got knocked out of the main event this year. I knew how great I've been at no limit the last two and a half years. It took me to blow up in the main event for every top poker player in the world to say how great I played that hand, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't care what they say, you know? The 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 the, the story on Mike Madison is, oh, Mike had this injury. Mike can't play anymore. Mike's washed up. He sucks, right? But, but see, I, me and Phil, I mean, he knows. How, everybody knows. People know how good I play, right? But it took that hand because I saw it. I saw it, and I said to myself, this motherfucker's really going to raise me with a small flush on a paired board, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to give it up. I'm like, you motherfucker, you raised here? I go, and I thought this hand through. I, I said, if I have 200000 more behind, I'm going to fucking go for it. And you got to remember, I'm at the table. I fucking showed quads. I showed fives full. And I showed a couple little tiny, there was two other tiny bluffs, whatever. So when I flopped quads, I see bet small. Yeah. Got called. I checked the turn and went at the river. Well, this hand, I see bet small. Got called. Checked the turn. And bet the river. And when he raised me on the river, I knew he made a small flush. And I said, this guy cannot call. He was a professional. It wasn't like he was an amateur. I'd never do it against an amateur. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even the guy, uh, Diaz, who finished like 11th, the guy who laid down the, the, the ace-queen on the king-queen board, whatever. Uh, he told me, uh, I we were cashing out. He's like, he goes, not only did I think you had it, Mike, and not only was I sure you had it, he goes, I couldn't even believe the guy was wasting our fucking time. He goes, that's how sure I was that you had it. And so in poker, it's about telling a story, right? Yeah. As long as you tell the story correctly, you're going to get the bluffs through. Right. It's all about telling the story. So Mike, in in one word answers, because I want to bring you back to the question. And if you don't know the answer or you don't have an opinion, back in the day and the future now, cash tournament, best, best on each. Phil Ivey. Phil Ivey's the best now and then? even close. Now and then? Well, Are we talking cash or or tournament? Both? I just know that all around. 
I know Phil Ivey struggled with his life in 2018. He had some problems. Yeah. And he got his shit together and he's crushing again. Yeah. Um, he's in great shape. Um, I don't know who the top players are. It's fine. But people want to say, I, I remember Doug Polk put out a top 100 best all players of all time, right? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even have me in the top 100, which is fine. It's a joke. There's like 80 of them that couldn't hold a fucking my job strap. That's fine. Okay, when you say best poker players of all time, you don't say best no limit holding tournament players of all time. Yeah. Okay, you don't say best no limit holding cash game players of all time. I got it. Okay, you to be considered one of the best poker players of all time, you got you must be a great tournament player, a great cash game player, and not just no limit or PLO, but in Omaha eight stud eight stud limit holding. Badoosie, Badacy, fucking Badoosie. <laughs> I would agree with Triple you. Draw. I would agree okay. with you that if you put it in that context, you're checking the, you're checking, you're putting the check mark you next to Phil Ivey. You gotta check the boxes. There is nobody I will ever vote as the greatest poker player of all time unless you can play every game. So for people out there that are great okay. no limit players that have won great. millions upon millions and they want to go down as one as the greatest poker player of one of the best poker players of all time. Learn fucking mixed game. I got it. That's a great answer. Now, next question. Your mouth, you talked about earlier, and you've toned that down. Do you have any poker beefs from the past or the present because of your mouth remaining? Did you make up with Sean Chacon or whatever the hell his name is back in the day when you guys had your beef? Sean and me have been friends for years. Cool. Okay. Sean's actually... Sean's... Do you remember remember what your mouth did in the hand that I played against Phil... Uh, with aces against yeah, ace king. Do you remember you know, what you? Funny about do you that, remember what you did though? That hand. But do you remember is, what you did? Yeah, but what's funny about that is I I thought Phil was already folded, and, and that's why that was again pissed me off with Doug Polk because Doug Polk will do anything for clicks, and to try and accuse me of Phil Helmuth of cheating is just let's not let's ridiculous. not let's not talk about Doug Polk because I, yeah. I don't. Like, look, because here's the thing, like whatever he does, whatever they do, let's leave it at that. I'm just saying yeah, yeah. you thought you just thought that the hand was over. I did. OK, got I it. OK, that's over. fair. I, yeah. I believe you. Yeah. I believe you. And for those of you, I might show the clip. It's basically I bluffed with Ace King against his aces and he was making a decision. And you said, oh, I know that's what you had. I folded flush. King high. All right, King high I well, think the biggest man. part of the day is going to be one no. by six, eight, two. It's not going to be Jeez. aces. Diamonds. Speaking of 682, if, if we need another player, Jeremy's just dying to play. Mike. He's a nice guy. You know, I, I actually thought he to myself, I actually thought to myself be, be. that if Mike invited someone else into the table when I was gone, which you're not allowed to do and I Ryan know. banned you from doing, I was thinking I might just quit. But I love these guys too much to quit. <laughs> All right, so let me find somebody. <laughs> no, Mike, you have no say. Are we trying to get one more person in? We are not. We Good. are not. Seven hands I like perfect. the short. Yeah, anybody else need food service? Seven hand is fun, you know? Race to three. That's good. I think we're good. Right. Thank you. We're good. Yeah. We're good, Peter. Thank you. You're welcome. I mean, I'll you're get the best, a, Peter. Can I get Don't a drink service? Tell you you're not. Yeah. Wow, we've got some big hands here. Nick with Ace King and Phil with number Seven. one. We raised to 1,700. That's bullshit. Let's chop and Phil's going to make it 1,700 to go. And Nick just flatted with Ace King from the small blind. You can pull him 300 okay. each. I wonder if, if he 
try to set a trap or he just thinks Mike Maticel is playing that snug that he's just going to flat. Personally, I love ace-king in these spots. Cut off open and I'm in the small blind. He's run into some trouble. You do it, Nick. You got to go with that. Do it for all the old Jews. That's right. Heads up. Man, there's a lot I'm of Jews. Go at heads this table. up in a $4,100 pot. Very few Armenians and uh, Asian. Dry uh, board, but Nick does have the ace of spades in hand, which means he can backdoor the nut flush. But I had a, I went to the Republican. We know Phil likes to put out small bets. So let's see. Oh, and he's going to go big here. I thought he was going to go something like 1,200. There's 2,200. Make the Lakers great again. Oh fuck yes, dude. From a game theory standpoint, Nick should carry on with his best ace high, this king. And he can make the backdoor flush. Yeah, that was a weird signing. 500 in the pot. Phil double checking his whole cards. I wonder if he would do this while he's bluffing. And he checks it back. Laying the rope here for Nick for Tuchin. Will Nick take a stab here? We know Nick loves to stab in these spots. And he goes all in. He can rep the nut flush. Since he has the ace blocker, he's got the best removal. And he's putting Phil to the test. Oh, that's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> you wouldn't laugh if you saw my hand, Mike. <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you're having so much fun, Mike. Oh, I knew you had that. You knew I had aces. Yeah, that's why I folded and made a flush. They didn't. Show the bluff. That's right, baby. And Phil folds oh, no. aces. Yeah. You he tell him, baby. With ace yes. <laughs> yes, baby. Yes, <laughs> that is two one. fucking hundred. That's two hundred that right there. Yes, and ship the two hundred. Ship it. No, but that you bluffed them. That's a two hundred ball, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Ship it. Give me their money. I just knew you wouldn't yeah. ship with top pair. You have to understand, Phil. We have we you, we had a little thing. If you love Phil, a big Potter. Mike, can I can I say some shit, or you want to interrupt my steam too? <laughs> you want to interrupt my steam? <laughs> Mike, shut the fuck up and let him steam. I'm so upset about four streams. Okay. All right. Oh, that was great. All right. All right. Mike actually shut me up again. It's I can't believe it. Mike, stop it. Let right. him steam. Now he's double steaming. Where's my other two hundred from everybody? I, I don't think you're in that. Oh, sir. God, they play so fucking bad. <laughs> they play so bad. I got the guy to put in 17 here. big lines. Oh, and he peeled off 2K drawing dead. The only card that scares me is a spade. No, I had the spades. Wow, I played it bad. If I just bet 5,000 on the turn, he's just going to move in for no reason and give me all his money. What did you do on the turn? You checked? Yeah, that was my mistake. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought he's going to, I thought he's going to get lucky and flop a set of sixes, and I'm not even going to pay him off to just super punish him for putting in that much money. But I punished myself. I'm just. That was God, the greatest 200 I've ever given up in my whole life. I'm not going to lie. How bad Are they going to make a video thing? of that? Because if I'm in a video with the greatest of all time oh like that, my oh my God, God, I would be such an honor. Don't and worry, I'm not Nick. even being sarcastic. You and I have four more hours together. Don't worry. <laughs> we got a lot more than that. Me and Nick What are you talking about? Nowhere. I'm locking this shit up. You can't. <laughs> Don't worry. Remember, if you were going to give me all the money the other day. I, uh, I had two pairs. I know. I know. Miracle that too. Same thing, yeah. Just a different, yeah. What a spade for you. Wow. Yeah, the spade was the only reason I could do that, right? 
Yeah, of course. I mean, of course. I mean, I had queen nine of spades. But I'm supposed I'm so to be sick. doing shit like this. That's why I'm here, Phil. Exactly. We're not. How do you think I get a seat every time? We're not invited because we're tight. Yeah. We're, yeah, because we're because we're donkeys. If you want the tight exactly. ones, we'll, we'll, we'll call Andy back and yeah. call who, who else, whatever. Oh, I love it. Andy and Garrett, and uh, somehow I had kings Zach against queens four. and aces against ace king, and I'm losing. Mm. <laughs> Bill has pocket Bill. kings. Oh, Mike, shut the fuck up. I had queens, and kings, and, kings Christ. and I lost 1,600. Shut the fuck up. Maybe you should offer to chop up. God damn, then, man. And you made me, I was so convinced Mike, you had you are so kings. fucking tilting him right now, yeah. you have no idea. I know, but it's like, like yeah, I have to leave you got to take another again. break. Yeah, I'm leaving. Are you going back to the pool? Fucking Mike is like unbelievable. The guy cannot yeah, shut the fuck up. He's crazy. <laughs> honey, can you believe this guy called me with Ace King? TV. He moved all in with Ace King, honey. I will tell you this, Mike's not invited anymore. His game is spell poker. Uh, uh, He's tilted. He had aces. I fold a queen on his Honey, can you I believe this? He called. He I shoved with all Ace that King. beautiful money. Honey, when I put my yeah. honey, I bluffed Phil. It was a good bluff. Ooh, Phil's pussy ass just that checked that the fucking great. turn like a pussy. Ace, ace spade blocker. <laughs> Got the blockers and the solvers and the GTO uh, whatever. <laughs> And I'm like, what the fuck? Because I'm repping the spades, right? Like, where I'm trying to, and so. Well, I think I said out loud, I folded two spades or something. No, you like said that. I folded the flush. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna try to play the clip. Yeah, but my yeah, question, yeah. And do you the remember? The, do you remember the but other? Phil, Phil, but Phil, Phil didn't, didn't even hear me. No, That's I know he didn't. No, I know he didn't yeah. hear you. There was no effect yeah. on it. There's no beef yeah. here at all. It yeah. just was what it was. And um, do you remember the other heat you took when because Phil had a piece of you and in the middle of the game wanted the money back? Yeah, I mean, that was so ridiculous. He, I mean, I like, like, you, you can't take money off a fucking table until it's, I mean, but Phil, but these are like the dumb things Phil does. Phil yeah. does a lot of stupid things. And again, Phil, listen, Phil's my second best friend in life. I'll never say a bad thing about him. You I know, know what I'm saying? I'm not saying anything but, bad about him either. But, but Phil, he, Phil wants to make sure that people know that when I'm crushing that he has a piece of me. Like, I wouldn't be crushing if it wasn't for him. He wants, cre he wants it's credit. Like he, he wants credit. He wants okay? credit. That, now, does he, when, when you, if you tell him that out loud, he, he would never say that. No, of course okay? not. But deep down inside, that's how he thinks. Because that's, he wants to be loved. That's I get swift it. Delight. I get you it. get it, right? So, you know, it, it so you, you hear people think like, oh, uh, the only reason why Mike has money is, because Phil puts him in and still Phil's never doesn't stake me at all. I've never matter of fact, the most he's ever had is half of me in any game. And like I said, when I said, Phil helped me out, he didn't help me out financially. He helped me out mental to get through it. You know what I'm saying? And, and like, I think Phil has loaned me the most he's ever loaned me is 10,000, like maybe twice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so the, the misconception, like, Oh, I'm doing sure. great because Phil and Phil, uh, I ride Phil. You hear people say I ride Phil's coattails. That's just not true. It's just it just can't be any farther from the truth. You know what yeah. I mean? Matter of fact, if anything, it's kind of the opposite because Phil's won last three or four bracelets. You know, I mean, he credited me. I mean, it was funny when they asked him, you know, uh, why you why do you final table seven different events, in seven different games in twenty twenty one. And he, cre he gave me all the credit, and you, you hear some people laughing, you know, like, ha, 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 Mike Mattis, oh, uh, ha, 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 you know? 
but that's okay. You know, yeah. I, well, it's a brutal, it's a brutal poker industry and that's never going to stop. It's a, bru- it's a brutal industry because of the people, the young, they don't respect the people before them. Yeah. If everybody, and that's just not just in poker, but in life, look at the world right now. Yeah. Look at how it is right now. It's be- people, you know, on social media is a, fucking cesspool of disgusting people right it's because they're all hiding behind their computer talking shit about everybody talking half of them probably 14 15 years old you know i truly believe like elon musk buying twitter is the greatest thing that's going to happen to this country in the world and i do believe that that everywhere on all social media platforms i truly believe that there's that you should be 18 to be able to use social media and you should have fucking ID, just like you should have an ID to vote. You know, yeah. it's like everybody needs an ID. There do you believe? Be do you believe that people on social media should not be able to hide behind the profile and and be who they are? I just think that you have to. I think that everybody should have a blue check mark. Everybody should be the, the person they are. There should be no people imitating. What I'm saying other is, people. you think it should be who you are, not just like the name, like ABC. Poker right. Player. Exactly. It you should know, be. That, that's just. Yeah. yeah. And so because don't you think it, you should be accountable? Like even if like the, people mix up like free speech, hate speech, I don't think that anyone should monitor it. I don't think that anyone nope. should be the judge of it. But, but I do think held but, accountable. On, but I do yeah. think that you should be accountable for what you say. And and right. and if it's within the guidelines of free speech, you're good. And if not, you're not. Correct. And yeah. I tell people this all the time. And and uh, Tristan Wade's probably my third or fourth best friend in life. And we talk a lot. We got in a big argument yesterday uh, about free speech, right? And he's like, ah, Elon Musk can't just let it be. People say whatever they want. I go, why not? They can say whatever they want, right? Yeah. Kanye, I, listen, I'm Jewish. And do I believe what Kanye said is true? Yeah. I believe a lot of things he said were true. Yeah. Okay. But you can't come out and say it the way he did it. No, no. His delivery, his delivery system and how he's doing it, he's drawing dead. He's drawing dead. Yeah. And he doesn't see because he's got mental illness, right? Yeah. And, and, and he's, because he's the way he is, he's fixated of you're trying to cancel me yeah. for my opinion. He thinks okay? you should he thinks you should weed through all of the stuff to get to the core of his comment, but what she doesn't understand is you have to explain your comment in the Correct. right and way. And the way he delivered it, yeah. it sounds like he's fucking anti Semitic. It does. It does. Okay. But he's not. Okay, and and the truth of the matter is, is it's kind of like me when I say certain things that people will be like, what did Mike just say? Like on Twitter. And because you know this and everybody knows this, when you text with a person, whether it's your girlfriend, your wife, your friend, sometimes your text, they come across. Yeah, there's no context. Yeah, the context is different than what you mean. It's happened a million times to everybody. Correct. And it happens to me on Twitter a lot. Like. And then they'll be like, Mike just did this, or Mike did this. And I'm like, what? I didn't, that's not what I meant. That's yeah, not yeah, yeah, what I'm trying yeah. to say. So, so, so it's, it's, and that's what happened with Kanye. And when Kanye was given the platform to apologize and explain himself, he doubled down. I know. But he didn't double down on hate. He doubled down on what he was literally trying to say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, again, being Jewish, I know what anti Semitic semitism is okay right people want to say that dave chappelle was anti-semitic in his opening of the saturday night live speech on saturday yeah that was as funny as can be it was him delivering 
what Kanye was saying in a comedy way that was very funny and very truthful. Well, I don't I don't want to get going on the cancel culture because it makes me want to throw up in my mouth. So let's You let's, can't I, fuck I, comedians are comedians. I know. I don't you even know? I don't even want to get on the topic because I know, but I'm gonna say one more thing about the Chappelle thing. All right. I read this article that he that he literally had the cold open and they 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 all rehearsed for the cold open and he went with his own open and he did it for a reason yeah. because he you heard what he said the i'm not worried about the people out here whatever they say the people because he understands in this country right now in this world we must protect comedians. We must protect free speech. That is that is what he that is what that. he's trying to do and say. But it's just, anyways. Yeah, we, I get it, man. Yeah. And let me ask you this, Mike. We've been going close to two hours or so. Mm -hmm. I, I I may regret this, but I'm going to say: Is there <laughs> give you to give you an open hole here? Is there anything you want to say or tell someone or anything before we go that you just think is something you need to say? If not, you don't don't feel like you have to come up with something. You want to um, leave? You want to leave us with anything? I mean, I'll say this. Uh, a lot of things I say, maybe on social media, are controversial. Yeah. Everything I do, in my mind, is to try and better the world, to help people. Um, before I became political in 2015, the only thing that I cared about was the green felt and betting sports. Okay? Yeah, right. When I became political, whether you agree with my politics or not, I did it because I care about working class people. Okay. All of us top players that have millions, people have millions of dollars. It's easy to say, well, this is how it should be. Right. Okay. You got to connect with working class people. You got to understand, connect to understand when gas prices are seven bucks a gallon and fucking eggs are fucking three X. These people aren't making any more money. They have to take care of a wife, a fucking and two kids. Yeah. Okay. People are making eight hundred. The, the average family makes thirty thousand a year. What's that? Like a, less than a thousand dollars a week. Right. Right. Thirty five thousand a year. Right. And to feed two kids, you gotta do. You gotta try and help these people. Right. You know what I'm saying? So the way I, I might come across is I care about people. I before before I became political, I cared about myself and I cared about playing the green felt. Now I care about other people. I want to try and make the yeah. world a better place. And, that, well, and and that's how I come across. Well, it is know? true. And I will say in closing this, let me just say this. Uh, mm -hmm. I've gotten to know you over the last year or two. I think when you're nicest guys that I've ever met, you have a, you have a, a heart of gold. Um, I know it was a big undertaking getting you up on this podcast at 11 a.m. Pacific that uh, usually you're sound asleep. So thank you for doing that for me. I think that the people will receive this great, are going to love to hear some of the things you said. It was very interesting. And the last thing I want to say, two things. First one is, is definitely come down soon so we can play together. We'll knit it up and put on the most boring show ever. So we'll do that together. Okay. We'll make a commitment. And then bring your fucking beard clipper because I need to shape that son of a bitch because it's been bugging well, no, me. No, it, it, it's fine. Listen, it's not fine. Listen, no, no, listen. Like the right side of your face, looking at you, it's the left, but your right side of your face looks 15 feet longer than the other. I need to get yeah, it shaped well, it for is. you. So when we come down, bring your clipper because I don't want your shit in my clipper and I'm going to shape that bitch for you. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. And listen, you know, to all the 
to all the younger generations that are playing poker and they want to be a professional poker player, you know, I tell people all the time, stay in school. <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. Because yeah. it's you know, there's less than one percent. Somebody wrote on the or uh, I think it was uh, uh, Brandon Shaq Harris wrote put up a poll like how many people make two hundred fifty thousand a year and how many people make a hundred thousand a year playing poker. Yeah. And he wrote five percent and two and a half percent. I'm like, you are so far off on that. It's like maybe between three quarters and one percent make over two hundred fifty thousand a year playing poker, and between one and one and a half percent make a yeah, hundred thousand a year playing poker. I know. It ain't fucking easy playing cards, but you you gotta have the instincts. You gotta have good intuition. Yeah. You gotta have money management. You gotta have game selection. And it took me forty nine years to get the game selection, the money management. I got all it. That. Well, at least you got there. And guys, you heard it straight here from the mouth, Mike Matasau. So, so, Mattiso, Mike Mattiso, you heard it right here. Now you know how to say his name, Mike. Thank you for coming on the show. For those uh, of you welcome, watching, and, 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 go and ahead. I always listen. I, I, you know, with all the controversy you guys been through, yeah, I fucking people call me and say, ah, oh, and they're trying to send me these hands. I go, listen, mm -hmm. there ain't no fucking cheating going on. Yeah. These are fucking world class fucking people. These are people you don't meet every day. These are. Yeah. fucking great well, people. I, I didn't ask you to say that. We didn't rehearse that. I, yeah. I will tell you this. I appreciate your support. You've supported me from the very beginning. Yeah. I do appreciate that. And um, I will never forget that. Yeah. And, all, and, and I'm closing one more thing. People want to talk shit. Start your own motherfucking business, okay? And run your own business the way you want. You got you know, it. Don't tell people how to run their business. Well, I'm letting period. you do the talking because I'm trying to take on a new leaf. But, Mike, thank you. I appreciate You're your welcome. support I love you, so much. And I love you, too. Guys, Mike Matasau. So. So. Matasau. Mac, so. Yeah, so. And you heard it. This is the Nick Fertucci Show. I am Nick Fertucci. Thank you for tuning in. Envy out. Later. Mike, thanks, buddy.